Network presents Football Time. Hey, and welcome to the Football Time Show. What a week in playoff world in week 18. Our man Achilles Rain is back with us out of health and safety protocols and looking fit and fine. Achilles, are you happy to join us? Are you happy to have missed the penultimate week 18 uh, show? Uh, two years, no shows missed. And then, uh, of course, week 18, you go down into the health and safety protocols. Yeah, you know, I, I guess uh, my body just was not used to uh, an extra week of football. Uh, so I went down, but and I was really disappointed, but I thought you did a really good job. I was able to watch it from... Uh, from bed rest, and I, I thought you put on a really good show, so it was enjoyable to watch. Well, I think that might have been the only entertainment you got from a, a crazy week 18. I, I do have to find it half amusing that we managed to put on this show even uh Two years ago, we got you in a hotel room with terrible internet connection, managed to get a show out, but uh, COVID still remains undefeated and uh, takes you down a little bit, but uh, back with us to get our playoff preview underway and uh, get a little bit of a recap in week 18. Uh, Are you ready to get into this crazy week that was week 18 and the upcoming playoff, uh, you know? matchups here it's it i think it's going to be really really exciting i i thought the season lasted a little long but uh i'm really pumped for these playoffs here because i i don't know if there's a true favorite uh week and peg uh coming out of this uh playoff matchups right now sorry uh yeah I, I agree with you i thought the season was kind of dragging itself out it did seem like it was kind of going kind of long but now that we're basically uh, you know at the beginning of the playoffs end of the season uh, I, I gotta admit, it's kind of bittersweet. I, I, I kind of wish we could go a little bit longer now. Uh, but hey, listen, we're in the playoffs now where it really matters. And uh, it's time to really put your money where your mouth is now. All right. Definitely indeed. All right. Before we get into the upcoming playoffs, we're going to go back to week 18, uh, do our review show. Now we aren't going to break down every game. We're going to hit the three to four games that actually really, really had a, a bearing. Uh, ultimately on this season. So let's kick things off with the Indianapolis Colts and uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And, uh, you know, our our, our boy uh, Dynamite David had been hounding us, I, I think, all week uh, about what uh, Jacksonville, how they always beat uh, Indianapolis. And granted, that is true lately. But I, I don't think in a do-or-die game, uh, from what we've seen from the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, what we've seen from the Indianapolis Colts, that we really thought with the Colts' playoff lives on the line, uh, they'd go down there and lose to a Jacksonville Jaguars team. But uh, that's truly and indeed what happened. Uh, at, at what point did you uh, start to think, oh my God, the Colts are going to blow this? Uh, I would have to say probably after that first quarter, uh, it, it really, they really were out of their element. It did not look like the Colts team that we had seen over the last eight weeks. Um, but listen, the Jaguars came to play and the Colts just didn't show up. So, you know, we can't really take too much. into. Obviously we're going to get into it now, but yeah, I think after the first quarter, I was pretty much uh, convinced that uh, David had had a little uh, elf whispering uh, future scores to him. Yes, uh, definitely so. 
uh, you know, uh, that first drive that uh, Jacksonville drove down there, uh, like, I think it was 10, 12 plays, uh, probably the best drive Jacksonville's had all season long. Uh, you know, anytime you get that uh, extra coach-fired bounce five weeks after he's been canned, uh, you know it's coming. But uh, yeah, that first drive, and I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Then some of the Colts' defensive players started to go down with injuries, and you're like, hmm, this is interesting. And uh, then basically the game falling in Carson Wentz's hands, which probably is the true, uh, you know, nadir for this game, whereas, you know, I think if you live with Carson Wentz as your quarterback, you aren't going to be able to trust yourself really in any game, even in a make-or-break game versus a team that had basically just lost by about 45 points the week before. I think it scored three offensive touchdowns in about the uh, last six weeks of the season. Uh, You know, really, really just disappointing for the Indianapolis Colts, and honestly, they might be stuck with Wentz for another year uh, due to the cap hit, due to what they gave up to get him, uh, which was a first-round pick. Uh, I just... It's tough, really, everything that went on with the Indianapolis Colts in this last game. Yeah, listen, you know, my take on the situation is that uh, I didn't think that Carson Wentz had a really bad year. I thought he had a pretty good year, you know, by his standards, especially when you look at how he finished the previous season. You know, that being said, even though Taylor Jonathan Taylor had a pretty good game uh, stats-wise, you look at his numbers, he averaged just a, just a, a little over five yards per carry in that game. Um Watching the game, it didn't feel like Jonathan Taylor. It seemed like he was off. And and I think that's really what hindered this team and their chances of getting into the postseason because really it was win and you're in, lose, and you better go home and pray because um, you need a lot of things to go your way. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out for them. But, you know, like I said, I don't think they had a horrible game. I just think that it was a combination of both uh, Carson Wentz and Taylor not playing to the best of their abilities. And obviously we saw what ended up happening. Yeah, definitely. So now, you know, uh, the one thing I take from the Jacksonville side of things is here, you finally saw uh, Trevor Lawrence. And I I think, you know, you don't want to overreact totally to one game in 18, but, but you sort of saw what he can definitely become. The question there becomes, can they get a coach in, uh, who can at least mold him and, and sort of keep this ship from sinking because uh, it's basically a sinking ship right now. We need to level this out. But I, I thought really impressive game from Trevor Lawrence. We saw why everybody, you know, was basically tanking their season last year to try to get him as a quarterback. Really good way to sort of close the season out after a, just a, a terrible uh, season overall for the Jacksonville Jaguars and him. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I have to agree with you that probably their main concern uh, going into this offseason is going to be to hire someone who's going to be able to develop him and bring him into the next level of his career. Uh, we've seen it countless times, very unfortunate, but we've seen it countless times where uh, these high number overall, uh, number one overall picks and high draft picks uh, for the you know quarterback position just doesn't work out and they just never, you know, uh, bloom into what everybody expects him to and I hope that's not the case with him because he's a very talented quarterback um just a really bad situation for them but listen they got the big win you know to close out the year and they get the number one pick so I mean that's like it sounds like a win-win to me yeah definitely so all right uh let's move to the next game which uh had no bearing but I I think by the uh 
third quarter of the uh, Colts uh, Jacksonville game, bearings started to come in. Uh, if you started scoreboard watching, so the Pittsburgh Steelers Baltimore Ravens uh, did not play a beautiful game, uh, but uh, did. Uh, play an interesting game that went into overtime. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's shoulder uh, had three minutes of life in it to uh, make a drive down there in overtime and kick a field goal. And the Pittsburgh Steelers won and uh, ended up uh, playing out to where they got into the playoffs. So, uh, honestly, a miracle beyond miracles that this Pittsburgh Steelers team uh, got into the playoffs. But uh, really uh, interesting game here. I'm curious if Baltimore, you know, had uh, been able to futurely see the result and see that, uh, you know, the Colts were going to end up losing if they end up uh, doing something different and playing Lamar Jackson. You know, it, it never really got out how hurt he actually was, which, uh, you know, to miss those last four weeks of the season when basically if they'd won any of those, they'd be in the playoffs. I have to imagine he was really, really banged up. But it, it is interesting to think, Maybe if they had known that uh, Indy was going to lose this game, maybe they try to push it and give Lamar the start there. But uh, nonetheless, Pittsburgh Steelers with a nice overtime win. They could never do anything, you know, blowout style, but uh, came out with a nice close one here to beat up on the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, listen, this is kind of the, you know, the story for the Pittsburgh Steelers pretty much all season long. You know, we undersold them, uh, you know, based off how they were performing pretty much all season long. And they just managed to win games somehow. You know, Big Ben, we kept talking about how he basically was done for. He couldn't throw a ball anymore. And if you watch that game, you have to believe that's uh, that's mostly true. Uh, you know, he was able to do just enough. I but think we'll get into throws, that in the uh, playoff preview of the Chiefs Steelers. <laughs> yeah, you know, but in this game, you know, you, you watched a couple of those throws and it's just – it seems like he's basically living on a prayer out there. And listen, like you said, we'll get into it, you know, for the preview matchups, but this is Pittsburgh, man. This is what Pittsburgh's been all year long. It's basically been kind of, uh, you know, hang on just long enough to possibly pull out a win. That's exactly what they did. And they're able to sneak into the playoffs. So, uh, you know, Big Ben uh, lives to fight another day. Yeah, definitely. So uh, honestly, uh, you know, uh, I, I was talking with uh, our boy Dynamite about, uh, you know, Coach of the Year honors, and we were looking at, uh, you know, the odds for uh, Mike Rabel. He was the third favorite, and I, I was like, you should probably take that. Uh, you know, you got Zach Taylor, you got Matt LaFleur up at Green Bay. That were the two favorites. But honestly, if I look back on this season and, and you look at those teams and, and you tell me the Pittsburgh Steelers somehow made it into the playoffs – uh, you know, I, he's not going to win it, but uh, Mike Tomlin uh, deserves coach of the year. To get that team to 9-7-1 and one, uh, is basically a modern miracle of football. Now, you know, I, I think we're, we'll get to the playoff preview, but I mean, they'll probably be smashed to smithereens here in that first round of playoff game. But I think that only just shows how hard it was to get this team to a 9-7-1 and one record. Uh, just a Excellent, excellent job by Mike Tomlin. It, it makes the uh, the stupid uh, Mike Tomlin to LSU rumors even uh, dumber. Like he's going to leave an NFL job or the Steelers are going to let him go so he can go coach a college football team. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I can't say enough about the job Mike Tomlin did there uh, overall. And flip things over to Baltimore. 
do you just sort of cross this season out and say uh, pretty much nothing went right from us starting from the uh, preseason here, uh, load back up, come back at it uh, next season? You know, listen, for Pittsburgh Steelers here and Mike Tallman, we, we named him as our coach of the week several times this year. And I think it was uh, rightfully deserved because he did an outstanding job uh, with what he had, you know, and, and we speak to it all the time. Continuity is such a big deal in this league. And obviously having him there, he's not going anywhere. Pittsburgh's not going to let him go. And I don't think he'd want to go anywhere. He loves it there. He loves the situation he's in, um, you know, and, We'll see what happens when we get into the preview here. But listen, as far as coach of the year, I could definitely see why some people would want that. Uh, you know, I probably wouldn't put him up there, but I definitely think he's deserving of it and at least deserving of some attention because uh, he did an outstanding job this year. Uh, now to flip over to Baltimore here, tough year, man. You know, we, we a lot of us thought that they were probably the best team coming out of that division. And it seemed like things just started going bad for them. Um, they had a lot of situations where they had really close games and they managed to pull off wins. Uh, you know, and look back at like that Detroit game that they almost yeah. lost. Um, so I think that the telltale signs were there from the beginning. It was just hard for a lot of us to accept them because uh, of Lamar Jackson, really, because he's such an outstanding player um, and not having him, even though Huntley did a great job, you know, uh, it, basically coming in uh, for the injured uh, Jackson. I thought he did a really good job, uh, all things considered, but you yeah, the Colts are the probably going to trade a first-round pick to bring him in now, <laughs> or Carolina. Right, listen, <laughs> yeah, it, it would shock. It would not shock me. But like I said, uh, I think that the bigger question, you know, you know what you're going to get from Lamar Jackson, especially if he's healthy. You know, and we know that he didn't play, so we don't know how serious that injury is. But uh, just assuming that he gets back to 100 percent uh, coming into next season you got to get him some weapons. you got to get him good weapons on the outside, some good wide receivers, and you got to get him a good running attack because yeah. uh, without those, everything falls on his shoulders and you're just going to get a lot of the same, which is going to be that defense keeping him in games and Lamar Jackson doing everything he can himself to try and keep them in the game. Uh, he needs help, and if he can get help, this team's going to be back next season. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they come back You know, next season. I mean, if you sort of said this Baltimore Ravens team was, you know, fully 100% healthy, both defense and offensive-wise, and then you tossed them into the AFC playoffs here. I I, I mean, I, I definitely think I'd be looking at them as one of those teams that could go through. But, uh, you know, that's why football is what it is. It, it just it sometimes plays out badly, and they, they got the short end of the stick this year on their injury side of things, and you just sort of scratch it off and come back next year. All right, uh we got to get into this game. I, 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 there were, uh, I, I must say, angry texts going uh, back and forth, uh, even in your withered uh, state, which probably didn't help things uh, in the matter. I, I don't know how much your brain was totally functioning, but uh, I was losing large amounts of money uh, and growing angrier by the second. Uh, you were just growing angrier because uh, you were deathly ill and watching this uh, complete and utter uh, meltdown of a football game here. But the uh, San Francisco 49ers versus the Los Angeles Rams, uh, everything started out crisp and fine, 17 nothing. Uh, a weird third down call uh, that led to a punt. Niners came down, got a field goal, came out the half, got a touchdown on a stupid half. Uh, well, I don't know, halfback, whatever Debo Samuel football player pass. Uh, I 
you know, and it's 17-10, and uh, the Rams decided they no longer wanted to play football. I don't think they moved uh, the ball 10 yards <laughs> for the next five possessions. San Francisco comes in and ties it. Uh, Ramsey makes a great pick. Uh, Cup makes a great catch and then a great block to give them the lead. Uh, Rams get the stop. We're all high-fiving like the world is okay. Um, they were in three of the most conservative plays I've ever seen in my life. Um, give the ball back to the 49ers and then questions abound of what uh, sort of defensive schemes they were running to close out that uh that it wasn't even a two-minute drill. It was a 40-freaking-second drill. And uh, it goes into overtime, and I think we both knew at that point uh, this thing was wrapped up and over. But uh, what did you make of this game? Uh, it, it it sort of... I don't want to, like, overanalyze it, but it was sort of my final nail in really wanting to put a lot of futures in the Rams for this playoffs. I had sort of been holding out, holding out, holding out. I thought the defense was starting to come really into shape uh, until basically this game where it started to go back to sort of the things they were doing early. And I'm just, I can't go all in on this Rams team anymore. I can't trust the quarterback I don't know what defenses are coming. And now, based on this loss, instead of playing a Saints or an Eagles team in that first round, now they have to play Arizona. Then they probably have to go to Tampa. Then they probably have to go to Green Bay, which is basically the hardest road you can pretty much paint for yourself. So what would you make for, uh, about the Niners game? And then we'll get into sort of the hole they dug themselves into when all they had to do was protect a 17 nothing lead, basically. Well, listen, you know, you, you said it. Uh, they started the game off exactly how they were supposed to. They they came out aggressive on defense, uh, and they really got be, they really got after Garoppolo. Uh, Garoppolo seemed to be uh, very timid at times, and you, I kind of had a feeling that maybe the injury played a little bit into it, but as the, as the game was progressing, the injury had nothing to do with it because uh, he, he looked like an all-pro quarterback in that second half. Now, mind you, a lot of it has to do with uh, the defensive scheme that the Rams were playing, which was super conservative, uh, and a couple of broken plays. Listen, the game, there's just, I get so upset just thinking about this whole situation uh, because Should I Should we just post our text up on the, uh, <laughs> the screen? As... <laughs> I, I don't think that'd be uh, very suitable for a lot of, a lot of people. But listen, I... I I thought that the the Rams defense really came um, came along as the season progressed. They got better. I thought. Um, I thought the biggest issue with them was the uh, defensive coordinator scheme. I, I thought they they just weren't putting the right type of game plan for that defense because we've seen this defense and the players that they have make some big plays in big situations. You talk about that Jalen Ramsey interception; it was huge. Um, you know, you talk about the Aaron Donald. Even Von Miller got into it. You know, but. Then you had that Juwan Jennings uh, broken down play where he was basically open, wide open. Uh, I don't know what kind of coverage that was, but I think the big question mark here is going to be, can the defensive coordinator put these guys in a good position to win? Now, there's going to be lapses on the player's side of the ball, uh, but I, I think their biggest issue has been the scheme. It, it just hasn't always 
worked out well, especially uh, based off the scenario that they're in, you know, in a situation where you're up, you know, 17-3 or even 17, you know, it was 17-0 at that point before they kicked that field goal going into halftime, uh, which completely shifted momentum. I thought even though it was only yeah. three points, it shifted momentum. Um, and then once we got into that second half, I knew I was hopeful, but I knew in my heart that the Niners were going to win that game. Uh, they just seemed to want it a lot more. I don't know if the Rams players were scoreboard watching. I had I don't have no I have no clue what was going on, uh, but it's definitely something that gives me some worry going into the postseason. But listen, at the end of the day, they won a division. I know it's not the way you want to win the division, but they won a division. They had a really good year all year long. We assumed that they would end up either second place or third place in that division, and they ended up winning the division. Uh, people like to talk bad about Matthew Stafford, and I know that over the last five six games. He had a really horrible stretch as far as interception touchdown ratio, but look at his numbers and his numbers actually weren't bad at all. He had really good numbers. Um, and you can tell by the year that Cooper cup had that there was a really good chemistry there. So I'm still positive and I'm still very hopeful going into the postseason, but that defensive scheme gives me a lot of worry. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things on that. You mentioned that defensive scheme and that's where I don't, you know, that, series where they got the stop and I, I sent you the message. I think they got the stop too early because, you know, they were aggressive on that scheme. Uh, you know, you had Von Miller coming hard off the edge. They get that. And then, you know, we can get into the offensive play call and I get it. You want to run clock, but you know, you, you went ultra aggressive on that first half call going, you know, empty on third and inches, which led to that field goal. So why do you basically run the ball into the line of scrimmage three straight times when the Niners are sitting there? Then you kick the ball back to the Niners, and basically, I, I don't even want to call it a prevent because they basically just said, we'll give you whatever you want. I totally don't understand why two guys are sitting in a soft zone on Debo Samuel. You know, you want to leave Jennings open in the middle of the field? Cool. But maybe don't sit in a soft zone and let Debo Samuel get ahead of steam going. Uh, you know. Who, by the way, was one of the top wide receivers in the season. Yeah. I, other than Cooper Cup, maybe Devontae Adams. You ask me what guy I want, it's probably Debo. So, you know, you're talking upper echelon, top five guys at said position. And then you mentioned, you know, scheme-wise on the touchdown. Yes, it's a blown coverage. But I went back and watched it. It's a blown coverage because two guys go and cover a running back out on the flat on second and 12. Uh, who cares if they throw it to the flat? That's, you know, come from, you your end, to do. Yeah, come from your end zone, make the tackle. They either have to snap a ball really quick or give up a down, you know, spiking it, and they got one play to get into the end zone. I, You know, I, I get maybe watching the guy come out of the flat, but Jimmy Garoppolo's not throwing that ball in the flat on second, you know, it's second and 12, but basically it's second and goal because you can't go in the middle of the field. It's just, it's those sort of things, and it was those sort of things defensively that I think we saw where they set too much up in a soft defensive zone for the talent that they have. They got playmakers, utilized them, and, you know, offensively I thought it was pretty solid you know, other than, you know, the Stafford thing, which, you know, it can look so good, except for basically on that third down throw when he launched it down the field. I, I sat there and told... Coverage. Yeah, I, I told the better half, 
he's throwing a pick here because, you know, things weren't going well, and I'm like, he's getting greedy and antsy. So he forces a ball into double coverage. Uh, the one in overtime wasn't quite as bad. He just underthrew it. He did have Odell open. That's half disturbing, but once again, why are you trying to get a, a – 70-yard chunk play, get a first down, move the ball down, all you need is a field goal here. It's just, I sometimes question how this team goes about trying to get wins. And, you know, you mentioned it. They did end up winning the division because, uh, you know, the aforementioned Arizona Cardinals also are competing with the Los Angeles Rams on how to close out a season poorly and uh, not give anybody hope. Uh, Granted, San Francisco at least played their way into the playoffs and occasionally uh, look like a very good team. Seattle um, has basically not looked like a good team all year long. Went there, ripped them to shreds. So uh, I I don't know what you make of Arizona going into these playoffs. No DeAndre Hopkins. They've looked really, really poor other than maybe that Cowboys game two weeks ago where the defense stepped up a little bit. Uh, But anything on that Arizona-Seattle game? I mean, listen, uh, the only thing I can say is Russell Wilson, man. I I love that guy. I know that he's in in the same division as my team, and I hate going up against him, but I've said it all year long. Um, Regardless of whatever their team record was, this guy's magic. And, you know, Right when I thought, okay, that's it. The Cardinals are winning this division. Like, it looks like a wild wild card spot for the Rams. Uh, you know, he made magic happen, and he was able to pull off a win. I think the emergence of Penny, uh, you know, with that yeah. rushing attack uh, really helped out that team. And I think that uh, at least it's a bright spot going forward. I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the offseason. Uh, there's definitely need to be some changes there because it's not the Seattle that we all expect to see. But listen, they got a big win against an opponent, a divisional rival. And uh, I think that they're going to go at least into the offseason kind of, uh, you know, on, on high spirits, looking at what they have and what they can do going forward. Yeah, it, it'll be very interesting what goes down in uh, Seattle. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to straight up trade Stafford for Russell. So uh, those dreams can go away for you. <laughs> You sure? All right. Uh, We'll get into the uh, Rams-Arizona matchup in our playoff preview. Uh, Last game, the sort of coup d'etat of the uh, week, Chargers-Raiders. You know, uh, the Dynamite told us about his parlay that he wanted to do. Uh, It almost hit until your boy, uh, Brandon Staley, who apparently doesn't want to play playoff games. He just enjoys reading analytical maps and... uh, doing math uh, in the offseason and no longer likes to play playoff football. Uh, the Raiders went in there, played pretty solid, did what the Raiders do. Uh, don't look particularly good, but came out on the other end with a win. Uh, what would you make of this uh, Chargers-Raiders game here? Listen, to be, i got to be completely honest with you. As you know, I was uh, dealing with a little bit of um, a bit of an illness, and I was able to catch that first half. I had to watch that second half uh, on replay, but... I got to be honest with you. I was shocked. Okay. And I was one of those people that even though I was really hopeful for the Raiders and their fan base, I I thought that realistically speaking, after everything that they had gone through, I I thought this was just going to be too much for them. Um, Boy, was I wrong. Uh, This Charger team, which I thought was ready to take the next step in their evolution as far as progression goes, uh, really did not look like the, the, Charger team that we pretty much saw for most of the season, except for that defense, which still has a lot of issues uh, uh, stopping opposing teams from scoring points. 
listen, it was a good season for the Chargers. Uh, I, I think they did some good things. They obviously fell short of their goal. Uh, but I think the the big news here, the, the big story is this Raider team. Uh, everything they've had to overcome this season, losing their coach, players, uh, you know, getting into, into incidents where, uh, you know, there's lives that were changed uh, at the end of the season. And, and they're in the playoffs. The Raiders are in the playoffs. Um, listen, kudos to the Raiders and their organization. Uh, like I said, they've overcome a lot of stuff, and they're in the playoffs, man. I did not expect them to get this, to this point, uh, but they have. And now we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, uh, a couple things on this one. Uh, I, I, I liked the Raiders in this one just because I, I, I thought they had a little bit of a touch of destiny. Uh also, uh, they have owned the Chargers uh, throughout uh, the years in big, important games. Uh, now, granted, uh, those big, important games have not been played in, uh, I don't know, 40-so-or-odd years. Uh, we were in diapers uh, for some of them, and uh, we weren't even our thought in our father's eye <laughs> when the others. So, uh, you know, uh, I just thought the Raiders would step up here. But, uh, you know, honestly, I, I think it's just, basically criminal that these chargers are not in the playoffs and uh i i look at brandon staley and uh we'll get into the coaches fired next uh i would get rid of brandon staley right now and uh go hire the aforementioned uh fired brian flores uh because what he did in this game and pretty much all season long you know i i'm always down with going for it on fourth downs but uh, there are fourth downs you go for and fourth downs you don't go for. And uh, before we get into randomly calling a timeout when the other team was about to run out the clock and let you go into the playoffs, um, you know, you're up 14-10. You decide to go for it on fourth and four, which is not exactly like a fourth in inches. Fourth and four on your own 18-yard line. Uh, that's insane, one. Uh, I, I get that you have your little playoff percentage margins and they don't change but uh you know how about uh the margin of the success of running a five foot mm, let's go seven eight maybe nine if he's standing on his tippy toes running back uh you know straight into a you know offset draw into you know nine ten men standing there it's probably zero so it's just that was completely insane uh, it, it gave the Raiders free points, brought them back into the game. Then the Raiders were able to extend their lead, and uh, the Chargers had to basically do craziness things. That whole last two drives, uh, launching balls all over the field, trying to convert fourth downs over and over. And then you switch it into the overtime, where uh, the Raiders are on about the... Uh, I think it was the 42-yard line. It was going to be a 57-yard field goal if they quote-unquote kicked the field goal. They were basically going to let this clock uh, run out and not go for it. Uh, your boy Brandon Staley decides to uh, take a timeout here uh, to tell them that the Raiders are going to run the ball and set up their defense. Uh, one, the uh, Chargers have not been able to stop the run uh, no matter what, so Really no reason to tell them that. Uh, second, you took your best run-stopping linebacker out when you did set timeout. At third, you still didn't stop the run. So that was just crazy. And then you made it no risk at all for the Raiders to take, you know, the difference between a 47-yard field goal in the NFL and a 57-yard field goal. Uh, 
is like massive, massive difference. Uh, you know, lots can go wrong on a 57-yard field goal. Not a lot uh, often goes wrong on a 47-yard field goal. So, you know, I, I look at this and I just, I thought it was semi-critical malpractice all year long with Brandon Staley going for it on those fourth downs on his there, there's going for it when you're on like the 30s and the 40s, and there's going for it when you're on the 20s and basically giving up just free points to the other team. I just thought it's criminal malpractice that this team, which, you know, if you looked at roster-wise, they probably, AFC-wise, would be, I think you'd slide them in as your third favorite if they were in there right now, they aren't even in the playoffs. The Raiders are in the playoffs. The Steelers are in the playoffs. And it's just, i very disturbed by what Brandon Staley did this whole season long. Now, granted, you know, it's his first year coaching. Maybe he learns. But, uh, you know, we'll get into the coaching fires here. But uh, with Flores out there, um, I go grab him right now and give him whatever he wants. This is the thing, though, and I agree with you. You know, the, the play calling was completely ludicrous. I, I you, you just don't do that. But this is my issue, okay? From what I've read, the players really like the coach. And, you know, first, you know, I understand he hasn't been doing this very long as far as, like, head coaching goes. You know, it's hard for me to really – you know me. I'm big on continuity. I think it's, it's really huge on an organization. I think it builds a lot of character when you have continuity. So I think for a young quarterback like Herbert, who's shown so much promise, you know, the uh, former, uh, you know, uh, offensive rookie of the year, you know, to give him a third head coach, I think would be a disservice to him. Uh, so I think just based off of that alone and the fact that, you know, yes, I'm sure that a lot of players weren't happy with the play calling. Uh, and I'm sure that a lot of players weren't happy with, you know, his his clock management. I, I think you have to give him one more year at least just for the development process. Um, now, I know that you obviously have uh, the, the, you know, the team, the team uh, nucleus and the team build to potentially make a playoff run. As you mentioned, uh, if you look at this roster, you would rank this team as definitely a top five team in the AFC. So I understand that, but I, I think there has to be some continuity here, uh, especially for such a young quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I see your point and, you know, maybe giving him, you know, a year here to see if he can understand and develop. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard the same stuff that all the players, you know, love him. We'll see if they all love him if they miss the playoffs again next year. Uh, the one thing I will go. tell you is Sorry. players are randomly fickle. And when you start messing with their uh, contracts and lives, uh, then it gets a little more tasty. But, uh, yeah, I, I get, I see where you're coming from. They do seem to like him. And it's his first year on a young head coach. It's just some of that is craziness. And I think some of it is hid behind, you know, uh, just fake math that they throw out there that, you know, uh, it's, you know, 47% that will win the game if we go for it and 47 if we punt. But, you know, none of that factors in stuff like how does giving up points here change how you offensively call a game or how they defensively call a game? You you can't factor in that. That's just, it, it's, I don't like that when they hide behind analytics. You know, uh, John Harbaugh did that a couple times and going for two. And it's like, oh, you can't criticize me. I have math on my side. And I'm like, well, okay, whatever. 
listen, like I said, I, I think that you know continuity is a big thing. But to your point, if you can if you can get Flores, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I love Staley, but it's time to go. Yeah, uh, we'll flip into the coaching fires, and we'll start off with that one right there. Uh, a little bit, uh, probably the most stunning one I had. I, I don't think any of the rest I, I, I'd call stunning. Bonkers. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Brian Flores out at Miami uh, after, you know, really, uh, uh, I think he won five games that first season, uh, basically when they purposely tried to fill the roster where they'd win zero games. Uh, next year, uh magically somehow went in 10 games and then went in nine games this season, finishing nine and uh, a seven and then or nine and eight. And uh, I don't understand this one. Now the dolphins have, you know, uh, I think the higher ups understood that this looks really bad and started leaking stuff that, you know, he was a dick and crude and he, Tim and Tua didn't get along, but, uh, you know, honestly, uh, he's a football coach. Uh, most of them are dicks and crude. Uh, he won football games. So I, I just, I can't explain this at all. I mean, basically he had to be the worst human being ever, uh, from what I've saw from, uh, the way he's been able to win games with a team that's purposely tore everything down to rebuild. And I don't even think they were basically on a five-year plan and three years into it, they are way, way better uh, than anything I thought. Listen, you know, I, I, we talked about this at work, and I told you, I could completely understand the firing had the roles were in reverse. And then by, by that, I mean, had they won, you know, seven of the first eight games and then lost the rest. I completely understand it. You know, that's a complete meltdown. Things aren't going in the right direction. But listen, they started the season off really bad. They, they had swept the pass this season. They, they had basically no wide receivers to start off the year. You know, their star wide receivers were basically out all year long. Um, you had Tua who was hurt. You had guys on the defense that were hurt. There was a huge turnover on defense. It was not the same defense that we expected, but yet that defense was still showing up for him. And he managed to win, what, seven out of his last eight games or something like Correct. that? Correct. I mean – it's bonkers to me to for a guy who, yes, listen, I, I, I heard the rumors about him, you know, being an a-hole and, and not being the nicest person in the locker room. It's a football you, coach, which this is professional football. This which is, ones are not? <laughs> this isn't college. Okay. We're no longer developing young men. And even in college, I think it's somewhat acceptable because you're adults at that point. Yeah. Uh, it's not high school football. Okay. This isn't college either where it's, Somewhat acceptable. This is the professional, okay? You get paid a lot of money to come out and win games. And guess what he did? He won games. Now, it's probably not the record that they wanted to have, but when you take all the different factors that they had to deal with throughout the season, I thought he did an outstanding job. And listen, I know that he's probably going to be up for a head coaching job because who you know who wouldn't want to hire him as the head coach? But if he's interested in a coordinator position, I know the place for him. <laughs> Well, you would like him because at least he's aggressive on the defensive side of things. But, yeah, uh, stunning. We'll go on to the next one. Uh, that's Sunday. Uh, he didn't make it to Black Monday because they played on uh, Saturday. Uh, but Vic Fangio of, of the Denver Broncos got fired. Uh, this one was a little tough because, I mean, he never had a quarterback to really do anything with. I, I thought some of his in-game uh, strategy was a little uh you know, old school, which granted 
would fit since he's an old school, uh, you know, football coach. But uh, basically everybody's, you know, aggressive defensive blitzing scheme uh, was stolen from this man. So, uh, you know, I I get it. uh, But, you know, the Broncos have been through as many coaches uh, here recently as they have been quarterbacks. So I I wasn't stunned. And, uh, you know, I I did hammer him a lot. But, uh you know, it'll be interesting to see who they get in there. Uh, but uh, what'd you make of Vic uh, going out? Yeah, listen, it wasn't it wasn't a complete shocker when I saw it. I kind of maybe someone in the back of my mind expected this. Now I was hoping that it didn't because I really like Vic Fangio. I think he's a good coach. Uh, as you mentioned, he's more old school than anything, you know, especially when you look at uh, all these younger head coaches with their analytics and everything. He's more of an old school coach, which – I've said it a few times, so, you know, I'm more of an old school football kind of guy myself. Uh, so I, I kind of, I like big fans, but there definitely was a need for a change there. I think that, you know, it wasn't his fault that the quarterback situation didn't work out the way uh, a lot of us thought that it could have worked out for him. Um, we thought several different times. I mean, we mentioned it pretty much, you know, during the entire off season that this Broncos team was basically one decent quarterback uh, and not even a good quarterback, a decent quarterback away from making some noise. And it looked at some point like they were probably trending in that direction, but then they just couldn't stay healthy. And then they had those situations on defense. They ended up, you know, getting rid of probably their best defensive player um, because of age, which probably was a good move, uh, you know, in the long run. But it just didn't come together for them. And it's very unfortunate. But listen, a guy like Vic will find a job somewhere else. That's a guarantee. Yeah, definitely. So uh, next one up was Matt Nagy uh, with him went the uh, GM Ryan Pace of the Chicago Bears. Uh, we won't have anybody to pick on next season. Uh, granted, uh, I think that game pretty much uh, summed up uh, everything that was the Chicago Bears versus the Minnesota Vikings to close it. Uh, sort of looked good in parts and then completely meltdown and uh, terrible game management to close out the game and uh, somehow lose it by 13. But uh, Nagy uh, and Pace gone out of Chicago, not much of a stunner there. Yeah, exactly. I think we both pretty much called it. Uh, I'm surprised it actually didn't happen uh, a lot sooner than it did, but um, it was definitely time for a change there. Uh, it just was not working out. His uh, his philosophy was not fitting in with Chicago or the organization there and the players that they had there. So it was definitely time for a change. Um and I'm interested to see what happens there. I heard rumors that uh, the Chicago Bears actually brought uh, Flores in for an interview uh, or they talked to him about possibly uh, taking over the head coaching position there, which with that defense, the Chicago Bear defense. Oh, yeah, that would be I a nice could, spot. <laughs> yes, it would. But uh, again, I know a defense with uh, with much better players that uh, would welcome him with open arms. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, uh, another one that didn't come too much as a shock overall. Uh, Mike Zimmer with him, of course. Uh, GM Rick Spellman go out uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I, I think we knew this one was pretty much rounded in shape about midseason. Uh, Vikings, once again, really, really uh, sort of just middle tier uh, underachievement. Uh, but basically, you you can put this whole move uh, on uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, they paid him, a, a at the time, a, a large salary to be a number one quarterback. He's just not a, you know, number one quarterback. And these two guys uh, bit the dust because uh, he wasn't a number one quarterback. And uh, a, probably a... A restart overall for the Minnesota Vikings here. Uh, Jefferson, uh, probably the only one that 
sticks around. Maybe you keep Cook, but uh, you're going to have to pay him a lot. So I don't even know if you sort of uh, throw Cook in there if you want to pay a running back, you know, uh, elite uh, tier money. But yeah, uh, Zimmer Spellman gone for the Vikes. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the the big uh, reason for them both getting the ax there, uh, one, I think, was the underperforming defense. Uh, and I think the the basically uh, Jekyll and Hyde type of offense that they led pretty much all season long where you really didn't know what type of offense was going to show up. Um, the offensive line was pretty much great all season long. Um, you know, we could see it whether Cook was there or whether his backup was there. I think they both had a pretty good season, but ultimately there just was no continuity. And I keep going back to that same word, but continuity is such a big thing in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, both Nagy and Zimmer both had, you know, uh, more than enough time to sort of write this ship. It wasn't, you know, a one-year, two-year, uh, you know, walk into a situation like Brian Flores and an axing. They've, they've had their time. They've shown sort of what they can do, and it's not good enough. Uh, next up, the Joe Judge uh, ends up fi- being fired on Tuesday. Uh, honestly, I the crazy thing about this was uh, I, I don't think they were going to fire him. Uh, but because Dave Gettleman, who wasn't fired, was retiring, um, uh, was uh, Joe Judge apparently came into a meeting and uh, he wanted to pick his own GM. Uh, I, I must say, this is a very ballsy man who uh, basically doesn't win any football games for two years, uh, turns the Giants into pretty much the biggest laughing stock there is, and uh, then wants to appoint his own GM. Uh, the two owners uh, say, uh, no, we're going to pick a GM. And uh, he throws a bit of a hissy fit. And, uh, well, honestly, thank God he's out of there. I- I'll be very interested to see if he uh, makes his way back up the ranks because I-, I think uh, he's probably a one and done. We don't see him back ever as a head coach. Listen, you call it the cojones on this guy. This guy was something else. Now, listen, I, I thought this guy was nuts to begin with, okay? Uh, but listen, on my way to work, I don't know how much uh, AM sports radio you listen to, but on my way to work, uh, which was pretty early in the morning, I was listening to uh, uh, Amy Lawrence. I don't know if you've yeah. ever caught her. Uh, and she was doing a little take on kind of, you know, like a, 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 cover, a little, uh, it was like a 14-minute rant that he went on where he was talking about how he was better than other coaches, how players were begging to come back to his team, how basically anyone wanted to play for him, how, uh, you know, this team was trending in the right direction. And I'm sitting there looking at his record and I'm like, has this guy completely lost his mind? And then he wanted to hire the GM. Like, dude, do you understand how, uh, how the corporate ladder works? You know, uh, the head coach, yes, as much power as they have, it's very rare that you catch one that has more power than a GM. And for him to, to say, I want to pick which one I want, I was like, man, this guy has completely lost it. Uh, I, I, I'm glad that they let him go. I think it was time to, uh, for, for a change there uh, because a young team with, with a lot of, uh, you know, um, I don't want to say uh, potential, but, you know, I, I thought they had potential coming into the season. And I think that the coaching uh, was a big detriment to, to that team. Uh, and obviously injuries played a factor too, but I'm glad he's gone. Yeah. Uh, it just basically unbelievable. Uh, uh, this guy, uh, you know, uh, you know, if you're Bill Belichick, I'll let you name your GM. Andy Reed, you can probably name your GM. Um, 
But uh, if you're a coach who uh, I, I'm not even sure is qualified to uh, coach Pee Wee football, uh, probably should just be happy to have one of 30 uh, NFL head coaching jobs and do whatever uh, rich owners say because that's what's even crazier was I'm pretty sure they were going to keep him if he just, yeah. you know, gave the thumbs up. Sure, bring in who you want. Uh, we'll run it back and see what we got next year. Uh, but uh, he was, no, uh, I want to pick my guy. You aren't going to let me pick my guy. I'm out of here. Uh, Listen, just, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the Giants fans are probably rejoicing at the fact that this guy could not keep his mouth shut. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they are. Gone. That's what cost him his job, really. Because yeah. uh, as you mentioned, I thought they were going to keep him, which I thought was a huge mistake. But just goes to show you that the Giants organization is a very loyal organization, uh, and they're willing to give him another chance. God, regardless of the fact that he showed absolutely no progression. Yeah, definitely so. And uh, then the last one uh, popped up today, uh, David Culley of the Houston Texans. Um, you know, I think we questioned this hire last year, and it really looks like it was just um, uh, uh, really a one-year hire. I, I, they probably didn't like the coaching candidates that were available last year, Um and they were like, this guy, NFL players seem to like him. Uh, I think they thought they were getting a minority hire. Um, granted, he's Lebanese. He's not African-American. Um, that probably speaks to them in knowing diversity. Granted, still a minority, Lebanese, but uh, not an African-American. But uh, I think they thought that might uh go towards Deshaun Watson wanting to come back. Uh, granted, this was all before, uh, I think, uh, masseuse number 25 popped up. But uh, anyway, he's out. But uh, I'm a little shocked because I thought the Texans played hard for him. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you want him as your football coach if you have serious aspirations uh, to get to a Super Bowl. But... I don't know that the Houston Texans really have those right now, other than when I saw this, you know Brian Flores really wanted Deshaun Watson in Miami. It makes me wonder if they start throwing a lot of money at uh, Brian Flores, bring him into Houston Texans, maybe try to bridge that gap and uh, bring Deshaun Watson in there. Listen, I, I, I was really disappointed with the Houston Texans and this firing um, now, I know that, you know, the results weren't quite there, but when I look at this situation, who's going to want to coach for this team? Okay, let's be realistic here. You know, you, the whole Deshaun Watson situation is up in limbo. We don't know exactly what's going to happen here. We don't know whether he's going to play, whether he's going to get to, we don't know what's going on there. Okay, so let's just scratch that situation off. But you look at the way this team played and the way they played for him when they were pretty much, even to start off the year, I thought they started off the year really surprising. They shocked a lot of people. They had to deal with some injuries. And even after those injuries, all those guys were playing hard. You know, you're talking about guys like, I didn't even know, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Danny Amendola was still playing. Yes, he was still available. In the yeah, I, was, I, was, I was sitting there watching the game and I'm like, wait. I'm like, is that is that Danny Amendola scoring a touchdown? That he moves like you there? now, but uh, yes, he's still uh, a registered NFL player. <laughs> Listen, to be fair, to be fair, 
I, he moves way better than me. Okay, let's let's just be honest there. But yeah, listen. I think that with the way this team was made up, you know, is a bunch of outcasts. Is basically what it seems like. You know, guys that just weren't wanted in other places. Uh, I'm looking at their draft. Their draft stock. They have really no draft stock to speak of. Uh, they have really nothing to give up to gain any draft stock. Uh, I don't understand why anybody would want to come and coach here. Uh, you know, you get rid of a guy who the team played really well for when he had nothing. Uh, as far as expectations were concerned and then they fired him uh, I don't think that that brings any sort of like positivity if I'm if I'm a coach looking at this you know potential job here my first thought is they got rid of this guy whose team played really hard for him and he had nothing to put out there uh, yeah not for me no thank yeah, you uh, that's the only part I didn't totally understand is you know uh, I, I don't think we go into next year looking at the Houston Texans like they're going to be an AFC contender or even like a middle tier team. I think we will get more of the same that we got this year. Uh, You know, unless there is something in there, uh, it seemed like the Texans played hard. They, I think they won four games, which is probably two more than I think either of us thought they were going to win. I thought Davis Mills, you know, uh, really progressed during the season. If you looked at it, uh, you know, from what he started to what he finished, I thought he played well. Uh, he got a lot of hard vets to play well for him. So unless they have, you know, like Brian Flores on the line, I, I don't understand why a top-tier guy would even entertain uh, this job right now. Listen, I don't see why he'd be interested in it. But if, you know, he's interested yeah, I know. in Go coaching up a team. One bad organization to the one that's even worse. Listen, like I said, I don't understand why a guy like Flores would be interested in that. But if he's interested in taking a job where, uh, you know, there's basically no one to compete with him, I've got a job for him. <laughs> the only thing I'd say is if they knew Watson could play next year. and But even then. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Even then you're probably looking from that maybe a seven win team with Watson instead of a three or four. I, you know, and, I, that's, all, and that's assuming that's assuming that Watson's going to come out and look like the Watson. Yeah, that we remember. That, that's a great point and, as well. And that the rest of the team is going to play as hard for him as they did for, you know, for, I just, it just, I don't understand the fire. Uh, I was a little disappointed with the organization for that fired person. Yeah. Uh, we can, we can rank. Uh, well, I think uh, these all would probably be in our list of worst organizations. Uh, you know, the lions granted didn't fire Dan Campbell uh, because uh, I guess the greatest three win coach of all time. Uh, but I think we throw Texans giants, Bears, Dolphins, all in that mix of uh, pretty poor run organizations uh, right now. But uh, we'll flip things over. I'm curious your thoughts on best available job right now. Uh, You know, those uh, we went over, Dolphins, Broncos, Bears, Vikings, Giants, and Texans. Uh, Plus the, uh, you know, in-season firings of uh, Jacksonville. And then technically the Raiders are available, though I really think they probably at least should give, you know, uh, at least a year uh, to Visaccio, who looks like he did a pretty good job pulling that team together. But theoretically, it's still an open, available job because he's the interim coach. Uh, I'm curious what you think the best available job is of, of these right now. Listen, I'm not even going to consider the Raiders as an open position, even though technically yeah. it is. 
because I I feel like he's he's not not you know deserved. I feel he's earned you know uh, at least yeah. a one head coach a one year head coaching uh, position there uh, because he's really rallied this team. But I think that it depends really as far as like what you're trying to achieve, whether you're trying to completely build a team, whether you're trying to. Uh, you know, bring a team back from obscurity or whether you're trying to look at the, what, you know, the best team that gives you a chance to win right now, because I think that right now looking at teams, I would say that Chicago bears defensively uh, is probably the biggest spotlight to me. Now they fell off a little bit offensively, but I think that, you know, we know what we have as far as like wide receiver, if they can retain some of those players there, we, we see what they bring, you know, what Rosson brings at the wide receiver position, you know, you have a young quarterback in fields who's got some potential there. I'm not a, huge fan but you know he's got potential uh but that that defense has a lot of studs on that defense uh and as long as they can stay healthy i think that they can make a lot of noise the issue there is that you're playing in green bay uh so you know you you're gonna have to deal with uh with the packers there basically twice a year uh you look at the team like the giants who have a lot of nice weapons on offense with potential uh but they have really no defense to speak of but they play in the NFC East, uh, so it gives you a good ch- a good chance to really do something. Uh, or a team like the Jaguars, who are going to have the number one overall pick, and they have Trevor Lawrence there uh, with, you know, also some nice pieces on defense too. So yeah, uh, the Jaguars seems kind of attractive. Also, I think that I think for an entry position, uh, head coaching, I think the Jaguars one probably the most attractive, and I would probably say Chicago would be second. Yeah, uh, I- I'd look at. Two, uh, I'm like you. I, I'm just going to cross the Raiders off because uh, the Raiders probably would be my top one there because they they seem to have a really solid defensive line in place. I think the quarterback's pretty set there. Good, solid running back. And Jacob's pretty solid, you know, O-line. Uh, you know, they did have a, a nice receiver. Uh, he will now be playing in the uh, uh, Vegas Penal League. But, uh, you know, overall... Uh, I got two I really highlighted. Uh, Jacksonville, I, I mentioned, I don't think it's probably number one just because uh, the ownership there, uh, the cons have been a little uh, just weird, which is weird because they managed to turn that wrestling company, I you probably don't follow AEW, into a legit uh, you know, competitor, uh, not necessarily competitor, but a legit second company in wrestling uh, next to WWE, done a great job there. Uh, they own the Fulham soccer team, which is, you know, a small club that they've managed to get in the Premier League, uh, you know, uh, numerous times. So they seem to be able to run stuff. They just have not seemed to be able to run the Jacksonville Jaguars all that well. Uh, you know, that being said, they did make an AFC championship game a couple of years ago. Uh, but I look at this situation. You probably are set at your quarterback. You look at your defense, you got a handful of pieces. You got the number one pick there. I think you look at... Uh, Either of those defensive uh, Ed rushers in Hutchinson or Thibodeau, you mix them with Josh Allen, you're starting to put together a pretty solid team there in Jacksonville that may be able to compete. You look at that division, you got the Texans, you got the Colts, you got the Titans. I don't think we'd say any of those three uh, blow you away as a dominant, dominant teams that could, you know, make a run, you know, a 10-year run like we look at, uh, say, a Kansas City or something like that, that, you know, will be hard to overcome. So I look at Jacksonville, uh, the ownership there would just be the other thing. But 
I, I don't know if I don't distrust the ownership because they've had success with other entities that they've owned uh, that are, you know, sports or sports related. Uh, and, and then Minnesota. Uh, you probably have to cut uh, Cousins out, uh, but I mean, I think you can more than find your uh, acceptable fill-in quarterback. I wouldn't look to, to the draft this year to fill your quarterback needs. Uh, but like I said, you do have a running back. You have a solid uh, defense that's a little bit aging, but uh, you find parts. And I think overall, uh, Minnesota front office-wise and ownership-wise, it's not quite the uh, dumpster fire that some of these others, you know, Miami, Houston, uh, the Giants have been. Chicago is pretty set to uh, defensively. You could go in there and really be aggressive. I just worry a little bit because you don't get to pick your next quarterback. You have to develop fields. And if you don't like fields, uh, you're stuck with them and then you're losing your job. But uh, like the Bears, they've shown trust that they aren't going to can you in one year. They're going to give you time to build. So I, I highlight uh, Minnesota and Jacksonville as my two in that one. Yeah, I, I like your picks. I mean, I think, like you said, Minnesota, you know, you've seen uh, that the ownership there is willing to give you time to really tried to build what your vision is. Uh, we saw with Zimmer, you know, they really gave yeah. him a good shot. It just didn't come into fruition for him. For God's um, sakes, they kept Mike Tice, which uh, seemed like 50 years there. <laughs> yeah, and listen, and, and Jacksonville, listen, the cons, you can say what you want to say. The cons almost bought the Rams back when they were in St. Louis, uh, and the, and Georgia Fronte was trying to, uh, you know, the kid, their kids were getting rid of their, of their ownership stake with the team. Uh, he almost completely bought the team over, which uh, I didn't think was a bad idea, just based off, like you said, the success uh, in the other companies that they've built. Um, I think that he really wanted to build a long-term future with Urban Meyer. Uh, it was really Urban Meyer's fault that yeah. he's no longer there uh, because he basically, uh, you know, shot himself in the foot with uh, his actions there. But yeah, I agree with your picks. I, I like your picks. So uh, I noticed it was interesting that uh, neither of us had the Dolphins uh, ranked in there who, you know, if you look over the last two years, they've probably been the best collective of these two teams. So, uh, I, I think, I think the owners, I think that that move with firing floors has really put a sour uh, taste in not just our mouths, but I, I think most of the media who are questioning the move, I, I think has really left a sour taste as far as, you know, what ownership is thinking about there. Uh, you know, like, yes, if we heard the rumors and we understand that there's a good possibility that it's probably true, but to get rid of somebody who's having success and is actually, uh, you know, building his team up in the direction that he wants to build it uh, because, you know, he's not a nice guy. Uh, I think uh, it leaves a lot to be desired if you are looking to, uh, you know, at these vacancies. Yeah. And, and really, if you like pull back, uh, the Dolphins organization has just been poorly run, basically, uh, since Dan Marino retired. So, uh, and this uh, ownership organization. It hasn't been that long. Yeah, I, I mean, what uh, Miami Dolphins team comes to mind uh, to you uh, since Dan Marino uh, retired? Yeah, you big on those Jay Fiedler years? Oh, no, you know, the uh, uh, Ricky Williams uh, comeback uh, was it, uh, Ronnie, uh, was Ronnie Brown. His name. Ronnie Brown and, uh, and Ricky and Ricky Williams uh, wildcat duo. 
uh, team. That's probably the last one that comes to mind, but I don't think they were very successful. They were not successful. I believe that was also the time they were uh, bullying uh, the offensive lineman and trying to uh, kill that guy. So, uh, you know, uh, that uh, sort of interweaves into what we said. But I I did find it interesting that probably the most successful of these uh, two teams uh, are are the Miami Dolphins. And I I think we both think that's just a, a fire pit job. The other one that's interesting is the Broncos. Uh, they got okayed for their sale. So uh, if if you are a head coach and you you know you never know how long this is going to take, but somebody new is probably going to take over this team. Do you look at the Broncos and see that as an attractive job? Uh, I mean, we said for years they're a quarterback away from being a competitive team, but uh, I think not knowing who the owner's going to be in a couple years might scare me off a little bit because once a new owner comes in there, uh, they're going to want their stuff involved. Yeah, I, I, it's exactly right. I think that's probably the biggest uh, you know, holdup there is not knowing exactly what's going to happen with the ownership. And from what I keep hearing is that more than likely it's going to be a group ownership uh, coming into the play. And when you have a situation like that, groups, um, when there's multiple owners uh, you know, when it's a large group of, of investors that own a team, it, it really becomes more of a business type model than the way they run an organization, uh, which doesn't always bode well, uh, because if you don't produce on the field, you're probably going to get canned. So yeah. it's probably one of the reasons why it doesn't seem as attractive. Yeah. Uh, two for sure that are going to go after it uh, in the ownership groups are one led by Peyton Manning and one led by uh, John Elway. And you, they they aren't necessarily going to own the team. Uh, they just are the Small stakes. Yeah, the front man the who will run the team, uh, not own the team and have a, a little percentage in there. But uh, if you know anything about Elway or Manning uh, – they're going to want to take over fully, and uh, who's ever there probably isn't going to be there after they take over, unless they are really, really good at their job. Now, listen, not to name drop here, but uh, back uh, back in my California days, I had the opportunity to meet, uh, you know, uh, Elway, and um, this was when he was, you know, uh, coming into the whole play with the Denver Broncos, uh, like right around the Manning time. And I thought he did a pretty good job. So I think that having a guy like that be the face uh, of your ownership franchise, at least, um, I think it bodes well for your for your franchise and the possibility to bring in uh, a long term head coach. Yeah. All right. Uh, So we got through everything before the playoffs. Now let's get into the playoffs. Uh, Let's get into our preview. We got. uh, with the expanded list, we got six playoff games to get into. Uh, we won't do our five mutuals because uh, there are only six games. We're going to go over the games, and uh, we're just going to make what we think is the best pick. And then at the end of the show, we'll have our bets bets of the week. But uh, let's kick things off with the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, once again, an old school, uh, let's say, 80s matchup uh, in tow here. Raiders go to the Bengals. Five and a half points is the first half line. Total at 48 and a half. First half is uh, three and a half. Total at 23 and a half. So, uh, before we get into this game, I'm going to give you a couple fun little stats. Uh, When was the last time the Cincinnati Bengals won a playoff game? If I'm not mistaken, I believe it's been about 40 years. It was in 1991, the 1990 season. Uh... And a fun note, 
the last time these two teams matched up in a playoff game? It was that uh, same. Just 40 years ago. <laughs> yes, 1990-91 playoff season. Now, uh, they that was not the Bengals winning. The Bengals won uh, their playoff game over the uh, aforementioned Houston Oilers and uh, Warren Moon. Uh, the Bengals went 9-1 there. Uh, the wow. Raiders, a nice 12-4. Now, this would have been in your heyday, uh, the Los Angeles Raiders in 91, they would have been uh, big on your side of things. But uh, another fun note, uh, in that matchup, Raiders uh, versus Bengals, another big event happened. Our man Bo Jackson, that was pretty much his last football game played. It was in that playoff game that his hip got busted up. That's right. And he never played again. So, uh, oh man, I know you're reliving your youth as we, uh, as the you show goes. I, I really didn't think of any of this. And as you're, as you're like talking about it, like it, it's, it's coming back slowly. And I'm sitting there like, yes, it was. And, oh man. So there, there's definitely at least some history here. Yes, there is uh, a lot of good history in the eighties. Uh, when the Bengals and Raiders were both good, but, uh, the Raiders did end up winning that game 20 to 10, uh, with maybe, uh, at one time would have been the greatest rushing attack ever. Uh, but Marcus Allen and Bo Jackson in your, uh, backfield, uh, Allen ended up going for 21 for 140. Sadly, Bo had six carries for 77 yards. Uh, I can't quite tell you what the yards per carry average is there. Uh, but it's a lot. About uh, 11, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, just a fun little, uh, footnote in history. Um, Who knows, baby. Yeah, I, I don't know if the Vegas Raiders quite have that kind of talent on the uh, field here, uh, but it is an interesting game overall. Uh, how do you think this thing's going to play out here? Raiders, uh, Bengals, uh, Bengals played sort of a meaningless Week 18 game, uh, gave their guys a little bit of a, a, a manufactured bye week, let's say, going into the playoffs. So uh, what do you make of this matchup? Listen, I think this is going to be an entertaining game. Obviously, I didn't think this was going to be the matchup that we were going to have. But ultimately, uh, the Raiders took care of business uh, versus the Chargers. And, you know, they earned their, they earned their ticket into the playoffs. So we got to give them some credit here. Uh, but looking at, at the way these two teams match up, in my opinion, I think that um, – the Bengals defense is probably going to be what's really steps up here. Uh, I think that the, uh, the Raiders defense, even though not great, I think they've uh, managed to do enough to actually get after quarterbacks and pressure them just enough to keep themselves in games. Um, and I think that with the way the offensive line for the Bengals has looked over the last few weeks, uh, I think that the Raiders have a really good shot at, at you know, kind of getting after Burrow and, um, you know, possibly getting him to make some mistakes. Now, we do know that he's got uh, a superstar rookie wide receiver in Jamar Chase, uh, and he's got a really good running back in Mixon. So he's got some some options there. But ultimately, I think this is going to become more of a defensive struggle here. And I think that my best bet here is going to be to take the under 48 and a half uh, in this game. Yeah, I got two things on this one. Uh you know, I, I'm looking at this game, and I'm very, very interested how the uh, Cincinnati Bengals offensive line holds up uh, against this Raiders pass rush. You mentioned the Raiders uh, defense. I, I wouldn't call it lockdown, but it's been really, really good, and it's been really good based on that pass rush. So can the Bengals hold up? Can they get that ball down the field uh, you know, to really, really hurt uh, the Raiders? And how will the Raiders do offensively? It, it's... 
it's never clean and crisp uh, for the Raiders, but they seem to find ways to find points here. And uh, if I was looking for first-round upsets, I got two I'm looking at, and the Raiders is one of them. I think this spread at five and a half, I was curious your take. I thought that was a bit high for a Bengals team that's really, really young and doesn't really have any playoff experience. Do you think that's just because home field advantage? Because uh, I don't know what home field advantage necessarily means anymore. Listen, we saw it pretty much all season long. There's uh, There's been basically no home field advantage to speak of here. Now, I understand that the playoffs are a different monster here. Uh, but as you mentioned, that you're talking about a really young Bengals team uh, who, realistically speaking, this is Joe Burrow's rookie season. Uh, because, you know, yes, he played a few games last year, but he got banged up and he really didn't get to see his full potential. Now he's had a full season under his belt. He's got good chemistry with his young wide receiver. But listen, the biggest stars on this team are the youngest stars on this team. Yeah. So uh, I think that's going to come into play. Now the Raiders obviously have also had, you know, their share of bad luck when it comes to playoffs. I don't believe they've won a playoff game since the last time they won the Super Bowl. That uh, would so, be correct. I think they've only made it like twice since then as well. Yeah. So, I mean, listen. <laughs> one of them was the one where Carr got hurt and they played, I, I think it was Connor Cook. <laughs> I, I Listen, you know more than I do. But what I, what I, what I do know is that I, I think – both of these offenses definitely have the possibility to struggle here uh, based off experience, based off pressure, and based off the fact that the opposing team's best unit is probably on defense. Uh, so I, I think this becomes more of a defensive struggle here. Uh, even though I like the weapons, I think the spread is a little too high. I thought this would be more like a three-and-a-half-point spread yeah, personally. I, I thought it maybe four, maybe tops out at four-and-a-half. Uh, Five-and-a-half just seemed like a getting extra tax up. Uh, before I make my pick, I'm curious, how much are you factoring home field in these playoff games? We saw it in the regular season. It, it meant basically nothing, which was a continuation of the year before where it didn't. I, I'm just curious, how much are you factoring in home field in these playoff games here? Uh, okay, so I, I understand that the previous year with COVID and no fans and all that, uh, home field advantage wasn't really a big deal. Uh, this year, we had fans in the stands again, which was nice to have. But realistically, it didn't really seem like it affected yeah. things much. But now coming into the playoffs, uh, where the energy is a lot more vibrant, you know you're going to be in some sort of prime time, basically. You know you're going to be the game that people are focused on in your time slot. Um, and I just said, you're talking about sold-out stadiums. You know, I'm sure a lot of these teams have had sold-out games. But no one's really I, I can't really say that every single team has had a sold out stadium every single week, except for maybe those big teams like the Chiefs and the Packers. Yeah. Uh, but I think that this it's definitely going to play a factor in the game and in all these games. Uh, I just don't think it's as big as we're used to. Yeah, I definitely think so. So uh, I got two. I, I'm going to ride with you. I, I think this uh, under at 48 and a half pretty good. Uh, I, I think that's a little bloated. I, I think they're looking too much regular season here. Uh, I, I think both these teams will start really, really conservative in that first half too. Uh, none of them wanting to get, you know, behind too much and, and cost something. So I think that 48 and a half really sits uh, a little too high. And, and then I mentioned the Raiders getting five and a half. Flip things over. Next game up, uh, this one I'm really, really interested. And uh, I mentioned the home field stuff because 
I think the home field's really going to hurt this team here. Uh, New England goes to Buffalo. Buffalo are four-point uh, favorites here. Total sits at 43.5. First half sits at minus three. Total sits at uh, 23.5 in the first half. And before we get into the breakdown of this game, weather-wise, Buffalo at night, it's going to be, theoretically, I think that it was between five and eight degrees. With the wind chill, it was going to be sub-zero temperatures there. Uh, you know, we've talked about it for, you know, two years there. Buffalo is a dome team, uh, pretty much. Or at least, you know, a warm weather team that should be playing in Los Angeles or Miami or, you know, one of the Texases. And I think this plays right into the hands of New England Patriots. If you flash back to the uh, game uh, that was played in Buffalo, I, I think it was about six weeks ago. Uh, the Patriots went in there. It wasn't quite this cold, but the wind was blowing like crazy. And that's where the Patriots said, okay, we won't pass the ball. We'll just run the ball down your throat. Buffalo, I will say, has gotten better with the run game, but I don't know if that's going to translate into the playoffs. So I'm just curious how you're looking at this game and does it play out like the first game? Uh, not necessarily with only three passes, but where Buffalo's offense is going to struggle because the weather's going to be bad. It's not going to be conducive to passing the ball. Uh, or are you looking at, like, the second game where Josh Allen just, you know, got out of that pocket, hit deep balls uh, down the stretch. New England did not close the season well. You also factor in that Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, going on the road in sub-zero playoff. It, it, there's a lot of factors in this thing. I, I'm curious where your head at is in this game. I think this could be one of the most interesting games to actually watch, especially, uh, you know, for this entire slate of playoff games, but, uh, you know, specifically for that Saturday slate of games. Uh, and you mentioned it, you know, I look, first thing I looked at was what's the temperature going to be like for this game? Because one, we've talked about it all season long. This Bills team plays like a dome team. They don't play like a Northeast, uh, you know, outdoors team. And it's just it's the facts. It's just it's the truth. Which is, is also is. weird because their quarterback comes from Wyoming. So, uh, yeah. which might be the only state that has worse weather than Buffalo. Yeah, but listen, you know, and I think that as of now, I mean, I, like I checked it probably a few hours ago when I was taking down my notes, and I believe the temperature's even gone down a couple degrees oh, from yeah. the last time you checked it. So uh, from what I'm being told, this is going to be possibly the coldest game that a New England team has ever played in. So uh, I think that's going to factor into and that, it. It's uh, not exactly warm in New England uh, slash yeah, yeah, exactly. Boston. <laughs> so, so, so that tells you something. If this is possibly the coldest the coldest game ever for a New England Patriot team, uh, I think it's going to be, you know, um, it's going to play a huge factor in it. Now, that being said, this is kind of what I feel, okay? So I have two, two plays here that I think could possibly come in. I think that if there was going to be an upset in this game uh, or in, in this playoffs uh, for the wild card round, I think that this probably has the best possibility for, for an upset here, but this is what I think. I think that one, the moment will be really big for the young quarterback Two, weather will impact things very heavily, which bell Belichick will try his best to game plan to take the ball out of the rookie's hands. But this is a playoff game. You're going to need him to make plays and the question is, in, in rigid temperatures with, with really cold wind chill, is he going to be able to make these throws? You know, who is he going to throw the ball to? I think always he's going to be I a I think that's a great so, question as well. So I, I think realistically, I, I'm going to give the edge here 
to the Bills simply because they were here last year. And even though we've seen the fact that they've struggled when you know when the weather gets bad, and we've seen the fact that uh, you know they really haven't had much of a run game, and they've struggled playing against the Patriots, uh, I think that the Bills, the Bills have been here. Bills Mafia is going to show up. It's going to be a crazy time, and you know, up in Buffalo. And I, I really think that Josh Allen is going to take it upon himself to maybe not throw it, you know, not scramble and throw it deep, but scramble and get first downs, uh, and just kind of keep the keep the ball moving, keep the chains moving. Uh, and, and for that reason, I think that uh, a good play here would be the the under and the point total uh, with the temperatures and you know the way they're going to be, bad weather and all that. Uh, potentially a lot of running here. I think that uh, the under is a good play here, but uh, I'm also taking uh, the minus three for the bills in, the, in that first half. I think that they're going to come out and they're going to try to assert themselves as a really dominant team and show, you know, why they were there last year and why they belong there this year. So I think those are my two plays uh, in this particular matchup. Yeah, that's interesting here. I, I'm really looking at this game. I, you know, we'll get into our futures after this. And I, I think the bills can be the one team that might could ride through this and be, you know, uh, work their way into the Super Bowl. But this is the tricky game here. Uh, here versus New England in ridiculously cold, uh, you know, temperatures versus a team that's sort of been their bugaboo. Uh, you know, they played well in that, uh, you know, next matchup. But like I said, the weather was... I don't want to go nice, but, you know, it was like 39 degrees. There wasn't much of a wind chill. This is just totally different. And I just, if Buffalo can bring that, uh, you know, run game that they seem to have found a little bit, I think they can beat up on the Patriots, and I think we get a lopsided game like we saw. But, you know, if the Patriots get up on them, you make a great, either the Bills are going to get up on this thing and it's going to be over, or the Patriots are going to get up and we'll probably have a six-possession game uh, because uh, the Patriots are not going to be in any rush uh, to hand the Buffalo Bills the ball. So uh, I I like your first half thing. The thing I'm just going for in this game is total under 43-and-a-half. And And, uh, Josh Allen, like he has, is just going to have to make the difference here. and, you know, we, we've said it numerous times. I think you got to pound him in this game. If there is a game you're going to uh, use Josh Allen's athletic gifts, it's this one, pound him and run over this New England defense with his big body and hold the ball on your side of things and don't let New England get up in this game. You know, a couple of things really quick before we move on to the next game. Um, Josh Allen did come out. I don't know if you saw. He came out and he said uh, that his his fingertips – uh, and his toes don't numb very easily in cold weather. Uh, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, and secondly, uh, Wifey has the Patriots upsetting the Bills in this one, uh, which is no shocker, obviously. Well, that's a biased opinion that uh, we aren't factoring in just here. Slightly, just slightly. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, you know what would have been a nice spot for the uh, Los Angeles Rams? Uh, playing the aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles, who, uh, if you go back and look at their schedule, 0 and 7 against playoff teams, uh, one win against teams with a winning record, and that uh, one team with a winning record, the New Orleans Saints, not exactly the world beaters of the world. So uh, you can understand this spread a little bit. Uh, 
minus eight and a half total. 45 and a half uh, is the total for this game. First half, five and a half, total 23 and a half. Uh, I, I think the Bucks cruise in this one, but uh, Philly just hasn't shown the ability to step up and beat big teams. You saw it, uh, granted, they pulled a bunch of their guys, but you saw it versus the Cowboys. Even in that week, uh, they just... They can't beat these kind of teams, even if it's, uh, I think, a little bit of a hobbled Tampa Bay Bucks uh, unit here. Yeah, listen, it was a really good season for the Eagles. You know, I think that it was a successful one, uh, you know, given what everybody kind of thought they were going to do. I don't think anybody yeah, really Yeah, and you got a first-round being... pick for Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, like I said, they, I think they managed their season really well. Uh, and during the offseason, I think they did a really good job with the acquisitions and, uh, you know, the departures that they had. Uh, all that being said, successful year for the Eagles. But listen, talking about Tom Brady, you know, the, the defending Super Bowl champs, um, there's no way that they're going to get, get, you know, lose this game. I think that regardless of, you know, injuries and things like that, because I know that the, the Bucks have uh, some of their players coming back from injuries. So they've got that to look forward to. But you can also expect a little bit of rust uh, because they haven't been playing together, uh, you know, to close out the season. But again, you're talking about Tom Brady here. Uh, so it's hard to really pick against Tom Brady here. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to try to run the ball, but one thing that the Bucks defense has done well pretty much all season yeah. long is stop the run. Uh, you know, their their weakness really has been that uh, they're secondary. Uh, and I don't think that the Eagles will be able to pass the ball on this Buccaneers defense. So, uh, listen, good season for the Eagles, but I think the Bucs are going to pull this one off. Uh, my pick in this one here is that uh, minus five and a half in the first half for the Bucks because I think Tom Brady is going to come out and try to light them up early on. Yeah, I, I got eight and a half on, on the total on the Bucks. Uh I, I just, this is one of those, uh, there are two of them in here uh, that I think are, are clear mismatches that I don't think will be too much of a game. Uh, maybe they start out a little tight, but uh, overall talent will win out and the Bucks just have more talent than the Eagles here. Uh, you know, you mentioned it uh, matchup-wise. It's not even a good matchup for the Eagles. Uh, the Bucks, one of the best run defenses, uh, probably will shut down the Eagles' run game. And then you're asking Jalen Hurts to sit in that pocket and pick up the weaknesses of the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think Tampa's offense has been a little shaky, uh, but I don't think Philadelphia's defense is going to be able to pressure uh, enough of Tom Dady to really uh scare them all that much you took the first half i'm going to take the overall line at tampa bay bucks uh, minus eight and a half in this game all right uh we'll move on to the next game i i think this one is maybe the most interesting one uh, we'll call this the the thriller of the 90s because uh these two teams were probably the uh big time teams of the 90s i i if you had one starter jacket, you might have had the other one. So uh, someone had a Niners or Cowboys starter jacket that you knew. Not not, not me. Not me. Yes, but I, know. I know you, plenty of people. You were the random dude who had the Rams starter jacket, which I don't think I ever was, took off. I was the weirdo. I was the weirdo of the group. But yeah, uh, I know quite a few people that either were doted the uh, the silver and blue or the uh, the gold and red. Yes, uh, but these and the Dolphins uh, starter jackets galore. Uh, but uh, Niners Cowboys really really interested in this game here. Uh, Cowboys three on the line total at fifty and a half huge uh, total on this game. First half at minus two and a half total at twenty four and a half. 
I'm very torn with these 49ers. We'll get into my futures. I, I think they have the biggest sort of window of upside <laughs> to being murdered in the uh, first round here, uh, where I think they could legit make a run to get into the Super Bowl. And also, I wouldn't be totally stunned. I'd be a little stunned because they got the matchup with the Cowboys. Uh, but I wouldn't be totally stunned if they got manhandled in this game and beat up. So... I think they match up well with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, certainly uh, along that uh, defensive line uh, to the Cowboys, uh, you know, offensive line here. Uh, but I, I, I'm I'm curious offensively what the Niners are going to do. But do you trust the Cowboys defense in the playoff here? So I, I'm curious your read on this matchup overall. Listen, you know, I went back and I was looking at the uh, the – the past few weeks for the for this Cowboy team and the past few weeks for this Niner team. And, and I think that although both teams ended the season somewhat impressively, uh, I looked at the opponents and and I think I came away more impressed with the 49ers. Uh, my biggest gripe on the 49ers pretty much all season long because I had really high expectations for them coming into the season. But um, I, my biggest gripe for them pretty much all season long was the fact that they could not close out games because they their record was a lot better had they been able to close out games. Um uh, but as the season got closer and closer to the end to the end of the year, they started closing out games the right way, and they play you tough. And, and this Cowboy team, on the other hand, who started off the season really explosive on offense um, and defensively as well, with a lot of turnovers uh, and shutting teams down, they seem to have fallen off a little bit. And their most impressive victories were basically against their divisional foes. You're talking about the Eagles and uh, the Washington football team, which realistically speaking, and no disrespect to either team, but they're really not that good. No, you um, can disrespect those two. <laughs> no, remember, I'm the, I'm the nice one. You're the mean one, remember? They uh, both but, suck, and the Giants suck of all sucks. So, uh. <laughs> But listen, you know, again, I think that the, this 49er team is a really dangerous team because of the type of philosophy that they run, the type of style of offense and defense that they play. It's a really aggressive team. Uh, and, and they tend to match up really well against finesse teams like the Rams, for example. Yes. We saw what happened. You know, everybody assumed that the Ram team had that game in the bag this week 18 uh, when they were up 17 to three. And what happened? This The physicality of this 49ers team uh, played through in that second half. And we saw what the final outcome of that game was. Um, and I think that this game has that possibility. I think this 49ers team can really bother and get after uh, Prescott and, Listen, to be completely fair, the Cowboys have not had a great running attack. I know they've had a few good running games, but it's been against bad teams. I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball against this uh, 49er defense yeah. that's been pretty stout as of late. So uh, realistically, you're speaking here. I, I think that my pick here, believe it or not, is taking the Niners plus three. I think that the Niners have a really good shot at upsetting the Cowboys here, uh, just play, just on physicality alone. Uh, and I don't know, maybe I'm traumatized from this last uh, Week 18 matchup against my Rams, and and uh, it's part of the reason why I'm picking it this way. But I think that the pick here is uh, to get some points here with the 49ers. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I'm i going with plus three on the Niners as well. Uh, we'll get to my futures where I, I pretty heavy because uh, I think the odds sort of – you know, uh, the odds were stacking my uh, Rams way and they did not end up uh, going that way due to, you know, uh, pour into the season where I trust them. I, I tr 
I, I think the Niners uh, might be able to make a run here. I don't know. Uh, it's all going to be really, really tough, you know, to go through Green Bay and get in there and, and win a game in Green Bay. But, uh, you know, I'm just curious what Dak we're getting. And, you know, other than two games versus, I'd say, mediocre to poor competition, he has not looked good. I go back to that Arizona Cardinals game uh, where once again he looked poor. And I just, I, I think Niners beat him up a little bit here. Then control possession of the ball. They've seemed to have found their running game a little bit with Elijah Mitchell. Uh, you know, we talked about Debo Samuel earlier. Uh, I just, I, I'm really, really curious how this game plays out so I got Niners plus three I'd also look a little bit at that total at 50 and a half uh that just seems like a lot for a playoff game uh especially one involving the Niners where I know they're going to limit possession so you're gonna have to have a lot to get into that kind of shootout with the Niners so I'd look definitely at that 50 and a half too yeah, I, I like your I like your underpick on that one because I think that if that Niner defense shows up as I kind of assume that they're going the to, Dallas hasn't been scoring either. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, they they had a couple of fifty point games here, but again, th- these were against weak opponents. Uh, and this Niner team, even though the record doesn't show it, is a really tough physical team. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, if they get after you and they and they cause trouble for Prescott. I don't know if that running attack will be enough to counter uh, a good pass rush from this 49er team. Yeah, definitely so. I, I'm really, really interested in this game. I, I think this one uh going to be one I, I'm really intent to watch to see how these things play out uh, on this one. Best game on Sunday, I think, in my yes, opinion. definitely so, especially since, uh, for some reason, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers-Kansas City Chiefs is the Sunday night game. I think this Prime is time. the second time uh, we've been entertained by, for some reason, the Steelers-Chiefs primetime game. You know, in 1976, I, I think this would have been entertaining. In 2022, I'm not sure it's going to play out all that much different than the one that was played four weeks ago here. So uh, the number sits at 12 and a half, which is ridiculously high. Uh, total 46 and a half, first half seven and a half, total at 23 and a half. I make it a point not to take a almost two touchdown point favorites in playoff games. Uh, but honestly, I, I struggled to find a pick here because uh, like I said, I don't know what the difference between this game's going to be and the uh, one that was played about four weeks ago. I pretty much see it playing out the exact same way here. Listen, the only thing that I can think here is uh, that this Steelers defense really shows up. Uh, you know, they know that this is Big Ben's potential last game, uh, his last hurrah, so to speak. And, and maybe they all step up and really play up to the uh, potential that we've known that the Steelers defense can play up to. And I think Mike Tallman, who, uh, as you mentioned earlier, is a, in your mind, at least, uh, you know, coach of the year candidate. Uh, he can put together the right type of game plan, especially knowing uh, what this Chiefs uh, team is going to bring to the table. Um, listen, uh, yes, on paper, I think this is a big mismatch. You know, I think that this Chiefs team is a lot better than this Pittsburgh team, but we've seen it pretty much all season long. We've had a lot of surprises this year, uh, and the way that I could I could kind of see this game possibly playing out is, uh, one, the Steelers are going to have a really hard time putting up points against this Kansas City defense, which has been really good, surprising, surprisingly good over the last half of the season, and I think it's been their best unit 
Uh, I think that offensively they've struggled at times. And, and I think that if the Steelers defense shows up, we're going to have a situation where both teams are going to struggle to score. And if both teams struggle to score, I still think that the Chiefs are going to come out on top because they're a better team. But because of that, my play here, believe it or not, is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers plus 12 and a half. Oh, interesting. Uh, see, you mentioned it. I, I I think the Steelers may be able to come to play, but, you know, I, I just look back at that, you know, game that was just played four weeks ago, and I'm like, how many points, theoretically, will the Steelers be able to score in this one? You know, that game finished 36-10, to 10, uh, you know, and that was with a touchdown with about two minutes to go uh, in, in the game for the Steelers. So it was 36 to three and, you know, 13, do you think the Steelers can get to 13? And they, then you ask yourself, can the Pittsburgh defense hold the chiefs to, you know, under two touchdowns? I, I mean, it, it's See, that's, it, what I'm really banking my money on here. I get where you're coming from. And it makes total sense. This is just my personal opinion here. Uh, I, what I'm really banking my money on here is one, that the Pittsburgh defense is going to show up. Yeah. And if they show up, we've seen this Kansas city offense struggle. They yeah. haven't been the Kansas city offense that we're used to seeing. They've had their hiccups pretty much, you know, all the first, the entire first half of the season, they were playing like complete dog poo, you know, and, and that defense was struggling, which is why they were at one point, we thought they might not even make the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, defensively they stepped up and their defense started playing really good football, uh, but their offense kind of has been up and down. And I think that if that if on any given Sunday, if that Pittsburgh defense shows up to play really good football, I think that they can do enough to cover the points. I don't think that they win. I don't I don't think they can win this game. I, I don't see a scenario where the Pittsburgh Steelers win. I, I only see a possible scenario where both defenses come out and play lights out and both offenses struggle. But uh, Kansas City having a better offense ends up winning the game. I just think that there's a good chance at 13 points in the playoffs. I, I think that there's a good chance that this Pittsburgh team covers that spread. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can give you on a pick on this one was I, I went under first half total at 23 and a half. Uh, hoping like you see where the Pittsburgh Steel Steelers defense can sort of hold up for at least a half. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I don't think, I, I think like, the Chiefs, they might could hold the Chiefs to about, you know, 20, 23 points. My, my question is, how many can the Steelers get? And I don't know if they could get much over 10. I, I'd be stunned if they got anywhere near 14. I, I, I'm just riding Big Ben on his last hurrah here. You know, I think the team steps up for him. So let's it, let's go defense. You you aren't allowed to catch the ball by rolling it on the ground, do it. <laughs> Are you sure? Because if that's the case, then I give the Steelers a better shot. Well, if that was the case, I think teams could bring Peyton Manning out of retirement. <laughs> true, true. Maybe that's the new evolution where you can just start throwing ground balls to receivers. Bowling football. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Arizona Cardinals. Los Angeles Rams is a big one. Uh, on Monday night, we, we didn't even mention this factor uh, by stupidly losing. Uh, that Niners game. Uh, they definitely would not have put Rams Eagles on Monday night. Uh, and that pretty much screws you going into the next week. Cause you pretty much lose a day, pretty much a day and a half actually. Cause you have to, uh, you know, 
at least have a day of recovery, day to prep, then day to practice. So, uh, you know, a lot of things spun off from that stupid loss to the Niners on week 18. But uh, this is a weird one because overall the Rams uh, are owned by the Niners, but the Rams have owned the Cardinals. That being said, uh, the Cardinals have been monstrous on the road this uh, year. One loss uh, overall. Uh, that stupid one to Detroit. So I don't even know if what you do to factor that one in there, including uh, said win over the Rams. Uh, but the Rams sort of trained to get back into where we thought they'd be a Super Bowl contender. Started out with them beating up on the Cardinals, uh, you know, about six weeks ago. So Rams, four-point favorites here. Total sits at 49 and a half. First half at minus three, total sits at 24. I I mean, this is so interesting because I think both defenses, I I trust is playoff defenses. Uh, You know, we'll get into scheme later. And then you flip things over, and I don't know if I trust either quarterback, playoff quarterback-wise. So I just, I have no feel on how this is going to play out. I'm curious how you think this is going to play out for either of these teams who have both sort of come in uh, weird coming into the playoffs here. Yeah, listen, both of these teams kind of ended the season on a very weird note. Uh, but let's let's be honest here, okay? We, we really are creatures, NFL fans, that is, uh, are creatures of what happened last week. You know, it, it's all about recent memory with, with, uh, with NFL fans. And... You know, this is one of the reasons why everybody was like, oh, Matthew Stafford had a horrible year and he's not what they thought he was going to be. And then I went back and I looked at Matthew Stafford's numbers. I'm like, Matthew Stafford had a really good year. Uh, Yes, the turnovers weren't great, but you look at his numbers overall and he had a good year. Um, And you look at the Rams defense, they're like, oh, the Rams defense is not that good. Listen, the Rams defense actually was not that bad. They were more of a bend, don't break type type of defense. Uh, And this Cardinal team, uh, you know, for the, I would say the first three quarters of the season, a lot of teams thought that this was probably the best team in the league. Um, you know, they were, a lot of people assumed that they were going to win this division uh, pretty easily and their best competition would probably be either the Seahawks or the, or the Niners. Uh, but I'm going back to this season only and the way that these two teams have played each other. And the only play that I could really come up with here that I thought um, would really benefit me was both teams have actually had explosive uh, offenses when they face each other. Uh, we've seen a lot of points in both. Of, I believe both of those matchups, over 50 points were scored total. So when I look at this overall, uh, this over-under total, uh, it's it sits at what, 49, I think? Uh, I think it was at, what did I say? It was at 46 and a half. Uh, no, okay. 49 and a half. Sorry, that was the Kansas City-Pittsburgh total. 49 and a half is the uh, total for the game, 24 on the first half total. So I look at that uh, that over-under, and that over-under set to just write about, you know, what those what the, both teams averaged uh, in their last two matchups. And I'm looking at it, and then I look at that first half, and it's just that 24, which is just slightly below, you know, what you'd expect to be the 25 for, uh, for you know, uh, the half. And I think that's a smart play here. I think that both these teams are going to come out firing. Uh, we saw the Rams, you know, this last game against the 49ers, a tough 49ers uh, defense. They came out, and, and they were just – they were slinging it. And, you know, I think the Rams biggest mistake in this last game versus the 49ers was the fact that they try to utilize Cam Akers. They try to put him back into the game in his first week back, which they probably should have, you know, 
let, let him rest that game and give him the ball to Sonny Michelle, who'd been playing really good football, uh, you know, over the last six weeks or so. So I, I think that my play here is going to be the, uh, the 24 points over in that first half. I think both these teams are going to come out firing, and I think it slows down in that second half once uh, both teams kind of put together a second half game plan. But uh, I think it's going to be an explosive uh, offensive uh, performance on both sides. So I'm taking the over 24 in that first half. Yeah, uh, this one's really interesting. I'm just torn how I want to look at this game because I just, I've basically been living on taking against the Cardinals, uh, you know, these last six weeks of the season as they go down the drain. And once again, I I fall into my trap of looking at this Rams team and I I always go with talent wins. Now, you know, that's not always the case in football, uh, you know, but I do think it's the case in games like this. I think this defense will be ready to go, be able to shut down the Cardinals, which has not uh, shown the ability to really make a lot of offensive plays since DeAndre Hopkins has been out. Now, the the thing is, how much do I trust the offensive side of the things of, on the Rams? And if things get bad, Stafford starts getting pressure from, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, you know, front seven, which is really good at creating havoc. Uh, and, and then trying to factor in, uh, you know, J.J. Watt got cleared. They haven't said whether he's going to play. Uh, that wouldn't factor too much into my thinking, except for, you know, in a one-game situation, I, I think J.J. Watt can be effective. You know, if you're asking me, can it be effective in four-game situation, you know, I, I'm a little less dubious. It, it's sort of like, you know, if we flash forward into like an NBA playoff game, if you ask me to win one game, I'm probably picking LeBron James to win one game. If you're asking me to win a seven-game series, I'm probably tinkering more over in the Giannis-Kevin Durant type thing. So I wonder how much, if Watt gets cleared to play that, how much he'll have an effect in this one-game situation under Stafford. Are you thinking about that at all? You know, I really didn't consider it, to be completely honest with you, because my my assumption is that uh, even if he does play, he won't get that many snaps because I don't think he's 100% even at this point yeah, in the season. Yeah, I'm uh, sure he's not. But I will say this. I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I didn't think about it until you really start talking about it right now. And you're right. In a one-game situation, I think a guy like J.J. Watt does impact it, especially when you look at the offensive line of the Rams that – in my opinion, has actually been their weakest point this season. Uh, It's been one of the reasons why Matthew Stafford has had situations where he struggled and basically thrown the ball into double, triple coverage uh, and and turned the ball over with an interception. It's because that offensive line has broken down. Uh, So I do think that it it is a factor. I just don't think because of uh, of how limited he will be based off his injuries, yes. uh, I, I don't think it plays that much into it. I, I think that's the only thing that has me totally from pulling the trigger uh, on the Rams fully here and the minus four is the one thing Arizona does is create that havoc and pressure uh, up front off weird blitzes. And I don't think Stafford has dealt with that all that well this year and then I get nervous in turnovers being creative which then you know hurts what I think is a poor offense on the Arizona that won't be able to score on the Rams but my pick for this one I am going Rams on the minus four and uh seeing what we get 
out of the Los Angeles Rams here. Uh, they probably will be all right in this one, I, I think. So uh, uh, if you're listening to Matthew Stafford's wife, don't sell your tickets to Arizona Cardinals fans. So, Yeah, <laughs> really quick, just on that. I know we didn't really talk about it, but why are people shocked that there was so many Niner fans in LA? I have no earthly idea. Uh, there was the Niner fans before the Rams got to LA. I mean, yes. I, that's where I was born. That's where I grew up. Uh, there's, there's every single team you can na- name right now. All 32 NFL teams. There's fans of in LA. Trust me. Yes, uh, I. There are two teams that matter in the uh, city of Los Angeles. Like matter, matter. One is the Lakers. Two is the Dodgers. Everything else is sort of uh, float and go as uh, if you're good and bad. Uh, You know, it's not a we love you. Lakers, Dodgers, that's who matters in L.A. Unless you're me, then also go Kings go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm guessing if we poll America, they probably don't even know there's still a, a team. Playing hockey in Los Angeles. Hey, to be completely fair, my wife had to let had to uh, tell me that the season was was uh, back on. I, I thought they were still uh, uh, on suspended play here. No, they're back on, and uh, they pulled out of the Olympics as well. So uh, uh, we we should probably get that podcast up and going. The uh, Winter Olympics uh, that uh, will probably be the worst Winter Olympics in a hundred years. But uh, yeah. Going Rams on the minus four. So uh, those are all our picks for the game. We'll come back with our best bets after we give you a little look at the playoff futures here uh, before the playoffs kick off. And we'll get where our head's at as we get into the playoffs here. So let's kick off on the uh, AFC side of things, an AFC winner. What are you looking at uh, line-wise? Did you see anything you really could grasp onto here? Listen, you know, to be completely honest with you, when I was looking at the lines for these games, uh, that the lines for the teams, I'm sorry, and the way the season has played out, I liked no lines. Yeah, there wasn't a single line that I liked because I think that what listen, would I be completely shocked if you were to tell me that uh, we were going to have like an Arizona Cardinals, uh, you know, New England Patriots Super Bowl? I would not be shocked. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would not be shocked because that's the way the season has played out. I think that any team, and we said it a, a, several times this season, any team can beat any team. And now you're talking about the playoffs where it's basically the best of the best that we could get this year. I think that any of these teams can beat any of these other teams. So I didn't like any of these lines. So basically what I did is I went with what I thought it's going to end up, uh, you know, plan, panning out. Uh, so for the AFC winner, I ended up going with the Chiefs. Uh, I think that right now the Chiefs are probably the hottest team in the AFC. Their defense has picked up the pace uh, at the right time. And their offense, obviously, we know what the potential that they have to, to actually uh, put on the field is. So for the AFC, I got the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, I went uh, the same way I looked at these. I didn't go. Uh, I, I went for long shots that I thought I could grab that presented good value. Uh, I don't necessarily, I, I'm not saying go and bet the bank on it. I'm looking for something that might present good value that would also maybe give you a chance to hedge as we get further and further in the playoffs and you win in a little bit of money or you win in a lot of money. So on the AFC side of things, I saw a couple things here uh, that might be valuable. I don't know if I grab them. Chiefs 2-1, to one, I, I didn't love just because 
they didn't get the one seed, so basically you're going to have to bet three games through. Uh, granted, you probably get a freebie here, but I don't think you ever say you get a freebie. So I, I didn't like the Chiefs 2-1. to one. I certainly don't like the Titans at plus 325 uh, as grading out as like the worst number one seed of all time. Uh, sorry, Dynamite. I don't make the metrics. I just read them. And then Bills at plus 375, I, I didn't like at all. And then, you know, you basically cross off Raiders and Steelers. So that left two teams, Bengals and Patriots. Bengals-wise, talent-wise, you look at that. They got a great running game. They got probably the best, you know, trio of receivers. They have a quarterback uh, that you can trust. Defense a little hot and cold. So at 8-1, and one, I, I thought there was pretty solid value there. Especially when, theoretically, you look at the matchup this week versus the Raiders. Granted, we both think the Raiders have a chance to upset there. But talent-wise, Raiders probably a worse team than the Bengals. So I, I thought 8-1 to one there. And, and then Pats, I don't love the 9-1. to one, But when you put a Bill Belichick team in there... You start already throwing uh, weird, curious weather uh, in games where he can muck up in there. I thought 9-1 to one presented a pretty decent value. So those would be the two AFC ones I'd look at, 9-1 to one Patriots. Also, I should say that uh, my thing keeps popping up winter weather alerts for the Northeast. Huge ice and snow storms coming. So uh, I would grab that under in Buffalo like right now before it drops to about, uh, you know, 15 uh, on the total total point scale because no one's going to be able to do anything. Yeah. Listen, this pretty much been the theme all season long as it usually is with both of us. I'm the conservative one and you're looking for the, uh, the, the, the bigger payout here uh, with, uh, with good upside. Yeah, um, I know it, it plays out. So let's switch over to the NFC side of things. Uh, I think I found less value here just cause uh, you know, Packers at 165. I thought presented no value whatsoever. And then you look at this Bucks team. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this Bucks team at plus 340. Uh, they just look too beat up to me. Now, they seem to have gotten a pretty decent road, uh, but at 340, I didn't think there was a ton of value there. I, I'm curious your thoughts on that one. See, I thought the Bucks at 340 wasn't bad. The issue yeah. is, uh, as you mentioned, is, is health. Yeah. Uh, I know they're getting guys back from injury, but, uh, you know, I, I kept preaching it all season long, and I preach it every whenever I talk football, continuity. These guys haven't played together for several weeks now. So you're talking about a situation where are they going to gel together? Are they going to have, you know, are they going to be on the same on the same book? Is the chemistry still going to be there? I, I don't know these things. So for that reason, uh, even though I'm a conservative, um, conservative better, I didn't think, even though there's value there, I didn't think that that was safe enough for me. Uh, I think the safe pick for me here is obviously the Packers. There's no value there. But I think that if you're if you're trying to put your money somewhere where you're like, uh, I'm hoping to get at least some of a return, it's got to be the Packers. They've been, you know, probably the best team in the NFC all season long. Uh, even though it's been a tight race with all these teams in the NFC, I think all these teams have the potential to win and and you know go all the way. But I think that conservatively speaking, you want a safe bet where you can get some return. I think that your money should be on the Packers here. Uh, but of course, my bet's on the Rams already. So. Uh, I'm getting a little bit of return there because I took that one back when they weren't playing so well. Uh, and they were, I believe, in third place in the division. So uh, I'm getting some back if they manage to make it. But uh, again, uh, conservative pick, Packers, I think, is my pick. Yeah, uh, you know, 
you look at it uh, as the Bucks probably with the Eagles game and then home games and then going to the Packers, maybe the easiest road out of, you know, you look at the teams of Cowboys, Rams, Bucks, Packers as the top teams, probably the easiest road overall to get through. Uh, but I just, too many injuries there. I wouldn't take that. I'd rather just place money game to game on them. And then Rams at 6-1, to one, probably the hardest road uh, if you look at to get through. I just didn't see a ton of value there at 6-1. to one. The only one I'm really looking at, same with the Cowboys, 6-1, to one, uh, zero Niners. chance. Uh, Niners at 11-1. to one. Uh, You know, you, you get back, uh, you know, $110 if you bet 10. So they win that. You can put $110 on a bet on the Super Bowl and go for it. So that that seemed like the bet uh, that most had value. Uh, I didn't think any value in Cardinals at 11-1. to 1 And uh, Eagles, 30-1, uh, to 1, I thought should be about, uh, you know, like 600-1 to 1, uh, through there. Uh, I didn't love it, but I thought the one that had the most value overall would be Niners at 11-1. to 1. Now Listen, and let's be realistic here. You know, we were talking about the playoffs. A, a lot of times it's not about what the best team is coming into the playoffs. It's about who's the hottest. Yeah. Uh, we've seen that pretty much as it's pretty much a trend uh, that we see during the playoffs. Yes. A lot of times one on one side, whether it's the AFC or the NFC, it's usually the best team that gets in. But on the other side, a lot of times it's whatever team is the hottest. Uh, we saw it last year with the bucks and it could definitely happen again this year. But again, conservative side, uh, if you want some return on your investment, I think the Packers is the safer bet. Uh, but if you want some uh, a little extra juice, a little extra uh, uh, green coming your way, uh, then I think the Niners are a team that's playing uh, good football and they're hot right now. So that's a good one. Yeah. The other thing I saw value-wise in there was uh, winning division. Uh, the NFC West was plus 180. Uh, you're getting three uh, teams right now in the playoffs. You're guaranteed one to go through to the final four. Uh, if you think the Niners are going through there, you're getting two of uh, essentially four teams uh, to have a chance there. Uh, the value wasn't great at plus 180. It, it should probably be in the 200 range, but it's almost a decent value there. So I would take a look at that at plus 180. Not awful, could double your money up, and uh, you could theoretically have two of the four teams uh, in the semifinals uh, at, at that point. So I thought that was a pretty good one. Uh, let's switch things up to the Super Bowl. Did you like anything here? Uh, there were a couple things I, I put down that I thought might have decent odds here. See, I looked at the odds, and I, I, again, same thing, you know, just because I, I feel that just about any team other than, you know, there's probably two teams in, in this whole uh, playoff uh, uh, tree here that probably don't have as good of a shot to go all the way and win the Super Bowl. But I, I think besides those two teams, I think that just about every other team has a pretty good shot here. Again, going conservatively here, uh, where you're trying to get some return on your investment uh, and you still want to be able to at least, you know, gamble. Um, I th again, I think the safe bet here is, uh, you know, my brain is telling me the Packers, you know. Um, I, again, I got the Rams early on when they were struggling, so I got pretty good return on that one if they managed to make it. Uh, obviously, the odds aren't in my favor, but um, – my brain, my conservative brain tells me uh, that the Packers is where your conservative money is here. Yeah, uh, actually, we agree on this one. I thought the Packers at plus three and 75, pretty decent value. Uh, you know, you look at it by this week, 
probably a, a decently easy game versus, you know, Arizona, uh, Dallas, San Francisco, whichever one of those, you know, make it through. We can't. But then you look, semifinal game would be the tough one uh, versus, you know, whoever, Bucks. Uh, Rams, you know, however it breaks down, it's hard to pick. Uh, and then you look at it going into the Super Bowl. I, I mean, they'll probably be favored uh, essentially versus every team they play. I Maybe the Chiefs is an even money game. I was trying to work out my lines, but I think they're a pretty decent favorite uh, no matter who they play on the uh, NFC side. And then you get into the AFC side. I think they're a pretty heavy favorite. So getting almost four to one with the value of having that buy, I thought was pretty decent value. And the other one I looked at was the Bills at eight to one. I don't love it because of this first round matchup and the weather. But if they could get by that game, uh, then I think the thing opens up for them and they. I wouldn't be scared of them playing the Chiefs or the Titans, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, the tricky one is his first round game, uh, which makes it a little less fun to have a Super Bowl bet if your tricky one is a first round game. I'll tell you what, though, you know, I was kind of trying to play out scenarios in my head, uh, the what ifs, so to speak. And, and I think that if somehow, even though, I, even though I think this Titans team is probably – not as good as their seating uh, or their record says they are. Uh, and no disrespect is they've done, yes. they've done a really good job overcoming a lot of adversity this year. So I got to give them credit there, but I thought if somehow this Titan team had gotten in as a wild card team, I think the odds would have been really good. And I think that it probably would have been more of my play if I wanted to get a little riskier, but obviously, you know, they won uh, the number one seed here. So uh, the, the odds didn't play out that way. Yeah. The other one I was looking at was the Niners at uh, 20 to one uh, thought pretty solid value there, uh, especially if they get there, then you can, you know, hedge that bet and protect yourself and, and win pretty solid money actually on both sides. So I thought the 21 Niners, I take a peek at, uh, I had a couple ones for Super Bowl MVP as well. Uh, I thought the value on Aaron Rodgers at plus 450. I, I mean, theoretically, you look at the Packers at plus 375, you actually get in value, value with Aaron Rodgers at plus 450 because if Green Bay wins the Super Bowl, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers That's is true. winning the MVP. So really your better bet would be to take Aaron Rodgers at plus 450 and then you fast forward it. By if the Green Bay's in the Super Bowl, his odds to win MVP will basically be. We'd be lucky to get even. They'd probably yeah. be minus somewhere. So I thought even four, I wouldn't take money yeah, on that. Uh, I thought four fifty, pretty good value uh, to take Super Bowl MVP here. And then I, I had two long shots written down. Uh, Debo Samuel was 100-1 to one, uh, on Super oh, wow. Bowl MVP. Uh, if the Niners get to the Super Bowl, I mean, they have the mold where you don't automatically go. The quarterback is going to be the MVP. And with what Debo Samuel does in the run game and making explosive plays, I thought decent value there. And the other one was Cooper Cup, uh, you know, we didn't get to talk about, you know, uh, postseason or, you know, end of the season awards, but uh, he's not going to win the MVP. But I, I definitely think he needs to be in that conversation and probably finish second. I think you uh, should. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I think I'd probably vote him MVP just 
you saw it on that last drive by the Rams. Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford made a terrible throw to him and Cup made a ridiculous catch uh, to get him 30 yards down the field. And then he came in that hole and made that wham block that freed up uh, Sony Michelle for that touchdown run. Uh, I mean, I thought that just summed it up, all what he does for this Rams team. So he's not going to win MVP, but I, I thought he definitely deserved a little a bit of love there. Now, listen, I'm obviously uh, biased and we didn't really talk about, you know, end of the year awards here. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, obviously my pick, if I had a pick, uh, it'd be Cooper Cup simply because we knew what he was doing all year long. It was no surprise to anybody. And yet no one could stop it. Even coming into this last game versus the 49ers, everyone was talking about Cooper Cup and possibly winning the triple crown, you know, for wide receivers. And he still did his thing. So, I mean, the guy was just unstoppable. And to be completely honest with you, he's not the best wide receiver in the league. He's, he really isn't. He's not the, he's not the biggest. He's not the fastest. You know, he's not the, the most talented wide receiver, but he's a complete wide receiver is one of the reasons why he had such a good year. But anyways, moving on. Yeah. Uh, so Cooper cup at 66 to one uh, to win Super Bowl MVP. I, I thought would be in there. Now it, it would be a little bit harder uh, for him to win it. Cause you know, Defensive side of things, Donald and Ramsey probably come into play a little bit there. And then uh, for some reason, the media has a love affection for Matthew Stafford. Uh, so he might end up getting it. But I thought Cooper Cup, uh, if he has a huge game and makes ridiculous catches, 66 to 1 presented good value. I, I was going to throw this at you if we talked about the season, but I went and looked up NFL MVPs and like voting and, uh, Pretty much receivers are never in there. The only one that was ever in there was Jerry Rice in that ridiculous, you know, 1995 uh, season. He received... I think he got like two votes, right? Yeah. He finished like fifth and got like 10 votes. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, it's very unlikely to happen. But uh, I mean, if there were... Because let's be... I, I, we're getting off subject here because it's not something that we put into our into our uh, talking points here. But, yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I believe he had a better season than last year. Yes, when he, he won did. the MVP award. But uh, Tom Brady hasn't, you know, he's had a good year, but he's not had a Tom Brady year. You know, realistically speaking, the two guys that really stood out to me this year were Taylor and Cup. Yeah. Uh, and But it's just not going to happen. It's yeah, not I the know. way the league works. That's, uh, that's what I mean. I, I don't think you can put Taylor because the Colts ended up being – well, doing what Colts do. But, you know, Cup got this team in here. They won the a NFC West, uh, and three teams out of that uh, division got in the playoffs. So, you know, I, I just thought a little love. Uh, not that Aaron Rodgers isn't, you know, great and the best quarterback in football, but, you know, going season for season, I, I thought Cup had it. If you just want to name the MVP award the quarterback award, that's what you should do. Uh, but if you're yeah. opening it up to everyone – you know, <laughs> technically now, what speaking. About, what about offensive uh, offensive player of the year? I think that should be Cup as well. But uh, uh, I, yeah, I think I he might get that as the token, uh, you know, nod. As a consolation award. Yes. Uh, so 66 to 1 on, uh, you know, Cooper Cup, uh, a Super Bowl MVP as well. But uh, the one I like most was at Debo at 100 to 1 because, you know, I think there's a little value there. And, uh, he has the best chance to steal it uh, off of those things. All right. Uh, I, I did some Super Bowl matchups as well that I thought would uh, presented a, a handful of decent value on the futures uh, as well. So I looked at these and then uh, 
I had two uh, that were just matchups to get there. Uh, Bill's San Francisco uh, was 500 to 1, so uh, I, I thought that was uh, pretty good. And then, uh, or, or 50 to 1, sorry, not 500. Uh, that would have been great. I would I would I have grabbed like, that one right now. I, 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 saw, I, I literally grabbed my phone. <laughs> I was about to jump on that. I was like, what? No, okay, continue. Sorry, go all ahead. All our free plays were about to be thrown on. Oh, today. yeah. <laughs> uh, 50 to 1. Sorry about that. 50 to 1 Bills San Francisco matchups. And then I... This one I really did sort of like uh, a rematch of the Super Bowl two years ago. Uh, Chief San Francisco was 35 to 1 in the matchup uh, thing. So I thought there was pretty good value there. And then I had two like uh, overall uh, where you pick the actual winter winner versus them. So Kansas City to beat San Francisco was 50 to 1, and the Bills to beat San Francisco was 100 to 1. That one was actually 100 to 1. Uh, granted, uh, I don't know if the Bills in San Francisco, they both could lose in the first round uh but 100 to 1 is uh very large odds yeah i think both of those teams would have to get past this first opponent uh and it'd be a lot tougher i think for the 49ers side just because in my opinion i think the nfc is probably a little more stacked with more yes. talented teams in this playoff uh but yeah for for that super bowl matchup uh, listen you know me conservative all the way uh and there's very little value in this one but i took the chiefs and the packers uh, just because, <laughs> listen, uh, uh, you saw my AFC pick, you saw my NFC pick. I think that if I straight, you know, away from either of those, my, those conservative picks, I think I'd basically be, uh, you know, contradicting myself here. So that's the only reason I went with that one. But to be completely honest with you, some of them were a little too scary for me to put money on, uh, and other ones just didn't have enough value. Yeah, uh, those were, were pretty hard. But, uh, you know, if you have like free plays that are expiring, you might want to throw a couple on there and off chance you can win yourself some uh, big money. But uh, let's wrap up the show because that was one hell of a show. Playoff preview. You go in health and safety protocol and we got a lot to catch up on. Uh, So let's finish it up with our best bets of the week. I got two games I'm going to put straight bets on and then I, I got a couple money line ones and uh one little like teaser I was gonna do. So uh uh that was what I got for best bets. How many do you got for best bets? Uh realistically speaking here, I've got two. Yeah. All right. Uh so kick us off. You give us your first one. Uh my first one is the under in the uh Pats Bills game. Uh I, that's probably to me one of the safer picks especially the way that uh we're it seems like every hour on the hour we're getting a different uh lower temperature for that game uh and the other one was the uh, take 49ers that now plus too I, I take it now yes. because by game time that thing is going to be sitting at about 10 i constantly tell people i i don't recommend you go out and take this uh but this time i do i recommend that if, if you're going to jump on a bet this is probably the bet you want to jump on now before it gets worse. Uh, Cause I don't think it's getting better, Yeah, uh, but listen, that's my first pick is the under in the uh, past bills game. And the other one is the plus three for the uh, 49ers. I think uh, they actually pull off the upset, but again, a lot of that's just personal feeling. Yeah. I got a couple here. Uh, Raiders and Niners. I want the spread on both those at uh, plus five and a half Raiders. 
and plus three for the Niners. Then I'm flipping things over on that. I want the money line on both those as well. So I'm going to stack both those because I think I can cover those and then have the uh, chance at hitting, uh, you know, the money line with it. So either get a double stack or sort of, uh, you know, just push the bet and uh, no loss, no win there. Uh, the Niners are uh, at uh, – what are they at now? At uh, plus one thirty-five uh, on the money line, and then one ninety for the Raiders. So I like both those stacked You're up. You're such a wild man. Yes, I know you. You hate the the crazy betting. I I should just. You're one of those guys who posts. I, I don't hate it. It just makes me very uneasy. I'm like, oh, where's my money going? You're one of those guys who posts his ticket on uh, Facebook on the sixteen parlay uh, that yeah. pays like one dollar <laughs> because he took I, all I bet, thirty-five I bet to 10. one favorites. <laughs> I, I bet ten and I got back three dollars. Uh, so but yes, I hit it. those two, and then uh, you mentioned the uh, bills. Uh, New England under. I definitely grabbed that at 43 and a half. And if anything, I grab that now. See what it falls to by game time. You might be able to get like a 10 point difference uh, by game time and you could try to middle that. I certainly would be difficult uh, because I don't know if any points are going to be scored uh, to want to talk yourself into the over. But if you're looking under in that game, I take it now at 43 and a half because I bet it's under 40 by game time for sure. And then uh, the last one, I was going to do a little bit of a, a teaser in here. I was going to drop uh, spread-wise. I was going to drop the uh, the Rams just straight money line at minus 190. I was going to drop the Chiefs to a minus 6. And then I was going to drop the uh, Buccaneers to a minus 3 and, and do a little parlay in that one. That would be your style of parlay. Uh, so... That would and, and be, even and even then, my first thought was, he's such a wild man. Yes, I know. Uh, that, yeah, probably because the Rams are going to come back and screw me. And after the nest egg I built all season, <laughs> lose it in two weeks on bad Rams play. Listen, uh, uh, just just to kind of put you a little bit at ease here, okay? The Rams were on a five game win streak before they lost to the Forty ers It was very unlikely they were going to go on a nine game win streak and win the Super Bowl, but it's also likely that they could match at least get close to match their uh, previous uh, win streak here. All they need is four. All yes, need is I, four. I, I agree. But uh, I, I I had a lot of money on that Niners game, and I was up 17 bloody nothing, and the Niners had 20 total yards of offense. Hey, listen, I, I'm in Rams groups, okay? People are still uh, upset about that game. I could completely understand where you're coming from, except that because I love this team, it, it pains me that much more. So not only, you know, are people short in the wallet, but they're also heartbroken. So at least you're not heartbroken in that sense. All right, let's wrap things up. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll try to get a two-show weekend. So uh, one isn't quite so long. We'll get our review show. Uh, we'll have that out Tuesday after the uh, Monday night playoff game. And then uh, we'll be back Friday to preview the uh, next week's uh, playoff games. Uh, Achilles, where can we find you? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at TD Achilles, and you can also check me out on TikTok at That Dude Achilles. All right, that's our show, and we're out. <laughs> <laughs>